crazy because the entire venture capital tech space could collapse next week. I have two friends who have millions of dollars in cash just sitting in Silicon Valley Bank. They don't know if they'll get it back. These cash reserves were a significant amount of the total capital they raised. This is because their investors told them to put it in Silicon Valley Bank. And it used to be a virtuous cycle for everybody, but the founders, the bank, and... Welcome back to Headline News with Resistance Chicks. We're your hosts, Leah and Michelle. It's March 10th, which means it's the day before Leah's birthday. Woo. Happy early birthday yep. to the birthday girl. So for your birthday, you're getting a financial collapse, looks like. Congratulations. I Look know. what you won. A new not car. Or expensive car. So we're not going to get into that too much on our Brighton show tonight. You'll have to Tune in on our Rumble channel for that afterwards. But tonight, we have a lot that we can get into. Tucker Carlson has been blowing it up with the January 6th footage. Yeah, you guys, uh, the QAnon shaman. Jacob Chansley. Has a four-year sentence. He's been serving it for close to three years now, I guess. Is yeah. that, that it? And um, he was wrongfully imprisoned. And now we have the video to show you. And not just that, but there's so much more. I'm really proud of Tucker for going at this. So yeah. we're going to cover that. We've got the Twitter file uh, reporters being grilled on Capitol Hill. <laughs> That's Freudian slip there. And so much more coming up right after these messages. Don't miss it. You're not going to want to miss the Capitol Hill. Okay, we're back. And we are going to get your mind out of the pooper. Actually, and no, I'm sorry, we will be in the pooper. We're in the pooper. We are in the pooper. We're stuck in We it. are stuck in the pooper with Capitol Hill with... Actually, our whole <laughs> show is about Capitol Hill. True. The Capitol building. Mm. And the hearings this week that uh, were held by the House, by the Republicans in the House. They had the reporters who were uh, brought on by Elon Musk to go over these internal Twitter files where, you, where we saw the FBI, the government, asking Twitter to censor people. Exactly. And the Democrats came with their boxing gloves. They were ready to hit these reporters, um, so-called reporters. I got a clip for you guys there later on. But I really want to dive straight into Tucker Carlson and his um, expose. expose this week on January 6th. Now, I know a lot of you, I've heard from you, where, where are the other videos? We want to see more. Yes, I, I want to see more, too. And We've I been tuning in live every night this week. I felt like he really did focus in on the QAnon shaman and his innocence, maybe um, to a fault. But, a no. guy, but I don't think so, because here's the thing. I think that he represents all of the other ones. All That's of exactly the other ones. And the video that I have for you... Uh, right now, maybe you've seen it, maybe you haven't. 
this guy is completely innocent. Yeah. And he pled guilty because all these January Sixers, they were facing 15, 20 years they in jail without a plea. They were not given exculpatory evidence, which right. there are so many constitutional violations here. I, th I hope he sues the U.S. government for whatever. This, this whole entire thing has been a sham from the beginning. So they had to. Honestly, I don't blame them for having take you know pleading guilty, right? So let's check out this first clip from Tucker on Jacob Chansley. We're going to begin tonight with footage that shows you what was actually happening inside the Capitol. The footage does not show an insurrection or a riot in progress. Instead, it shows police escorting protesters through the building, including the now infamous QAnon shaman. Watch. <laughs> These are the pictures you've seen of January 6th. They're familiar because they've been playing on a loop on every media outlet in America for the last two years. There's a reason for that. But it turns out there's quite a bit of video you haven't seen. And that video tells a very different story about what happened unders again and again. But the overwhelming majority weren't. They were peaceful, they were orderly and meek. These were not insurrectionists, they were sightseers. Footage from inside the Capitol overturns the story you've heard about January 6th. Protesters queue up in neat little lines. They give each other tours outside the speaker's office. They take cheerful selfies and they smile. They're not destroying the Capitol, they obviously revere the Capitol. Let them silence your voices. After the rally, they walked down Pennsylvania Avenue, where organizers had secured a federal permit to hold a legal rally on the grounds of the Capitol. I know that everyone here will soon be marching over to the Capitol building to peacefully and patriotically make your voices heard. Once at the Capitol building, things began to get chaotic. Capitol police officers fired tear gas into the crowd. A few at the front of the herd broke windows. Someone opened the doors and many hundreds of others just walked in. Of course, they did make it the story. And at the center of it, the single most famous person arrested that day was a Navy veteran from Arizona called Jacob Chansley, often referred to as the QAnon shaman. The so-called QAnon shaman. QAnon shaman. Someone named Q shaman. Jacob Chansley became the face of January 6th, a dangerous conspiracy theorist dressed in outlandish costume who led the violent insurrection to overthrow American democracy. For these crimes, Chansley was sentenced to nearly four years in prison, far more time than many violent criminals now receive. What did Jacob Chansley do to receive this punishment? To this day, there is dispute over how Chansley got into the Capitol building. But according to our review of the internal surveillance video, it is very clear what happened once he got inside. Virtually every moment of his time inside the Capitol was caught on tape. The tapes show the Capitol Police never stopped Jacob Chansley. They helped him. They acted as his tour guides. Here's video of Chansley in the Senate chamber. Capitol Police officers take him to multiple entrances and even try to open locked doors for him. We counted at least nine officers who were within touching distance of unarmed Jacob Chansley. Not one of them even tried to slow him down. Chansley understood that Capitol Police were his allies Video shows him giving thanks for them in a prayer on the floor of the Senate. Watch. Thank you, Heavenly Father, for paying the inspiration needed to these police officers to allow us in this building. Contrast the reality of what Jacob Chansley did in the Capitol building on January 6th 
the indisputable facts recorded on video, some of which has never before been seen, with the depiction of Jacob Chansley that you've seen in the media for more than two years. He's a terrorist, they said. He should be killed. Shoot him. Yes. Shoot him. Like, if it, you burst into the United States, if he was dressed like bin Laden, would you have shot him? Shoot him. Shoot him. It makes you wonder, who are the violent extremists here? Not Jacob Chansley. And the video proves that. But you would never have known from the media coverage. The people sitting in the chairs need to be sitting in a jail cell. Chansley is in a jail cell. He's been there for months. If he was in fact committing such a grave crime, why didn't the officers who were standing right next to him place him under arrest? Until now, no one could even prove that even happened, but it did. By the way, this will be the front page of tomorrow's New York Post. Let's get out of here, guys. That was an extra video that I added at the end. There's just I just took a clip where at the end he had read Donald Trump's tweet that said, I would like everybody to disband and go home. And he's like, you guys, Donald Trump told us to disband and go home. Let's go home. If this had been a violent insurrection to accomplish an overtaking of the government, they didn't accomplish it. Why would they leave? And why would he say, Donald Trump told us to go home. Let's go home. Right. They had seen weeks of BLM riots thinking to themselves, well, if the left can get away with this, then yeah. why can't we get away with this? No one thought for a minute that they were going to be treated like terrorists because those that had set fire to government buildings, churches, stores, looted. None of those people, they were in jail for like, what, a couple of days and then Kamala Harris gets funds to get them out? Yeah, so during the um, riots in Washington, D.C., the BLM riots, over 188 officers were injured. And during the January 6th hearings, we were told that this was the greatest attack on democracy we've ever seen. Um, and it was a, a, over about 100 officers were injured. No officer should ever be injured. OK, exactly. But to say that it was the greatest, this is a rewriting of events. Now, for those of you that maybe uh, you get all of your news from Resistance Chicks, and I'm so glad that you do. You might have missed this week the backlash and the response of Tucker's show. Chuck Schumer, even Mitch McConnell, Mitch McConnell, all of these people, regardless of party line, have come out essentially saying that what happened on January 6th was the greatest violent since the Civil since War. Since the Civil War. The Civil War. Do you know how many things have happened since the Civil War, by the way? But do you know what happened during the Civil War? To compare this, and, and, and news outlets have been running with that statement. Yeah. And, 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 and so then Chuck... Schumer gets on the floor and he he is, you know, berating uh, Rupert Murdoch, saying that he needs to pull Tucker Carlson from the Fox News network because he's lying to the American people about what happened on January 6th. I've seen insurrections before. I mean, not personally in my personal life, but I've seen footage of insurrections. 
nowhere in any comparison from any sound-minded person would you be able to compare what happened at January 6th to an actual insurrection. Yeah. Actually, as a matter of fact, what they have done in Brazil has been very close to what one would call an insurrection. They are trying to literally take over or take back Mm -hmm. their government from a false election. We did not do that. No one did that at the Capitol on January 6th. And Tucker Carlson's footage is so far confirming that. Yeah. And, you know, just say your prayers for justice to be done for these guys, because how many more videos are there that are showing Capitol Police letting people in? And the the biggest key here is that nine police officers were around Jacob Chansley and were basically like, hey, we're glad to have you. And then Jacob's voice once he actually got into the rotunda, or not rotunda, into the um, the Senate floor, the Congress congressional floor there, what he said was, bless these police officers who have let us in to the Capitol. Yeah. It was very apparent by everyone there that the police officers let this everyone in. This was a setup in. by our own government. And I, you guys, oh, you're not supposed to make inclusions. You guys, they were trying to get the QAnon shaman into that building for the shot. Exactly. That was their goal. And and those officers, I think they may be damned to hell I unless think, they repent. I think I mean, there were four officers that committed suicide after the event. Or were suicided. I, you guys, I truly believe they were suicided. I truly believe that they were killed because they, they were gonna must say have what known, happened. you know, we let this happen or they must have heard something and... I'm going to show a clip for you now. We're going to do uh, two clips together, Ray Epps and Officer uh, Brian Sitnik. Now, I, Tucker Carlson, won't draw any conclusions because, oh, you're not supposed to draw conclusions. I'm going to draw he conclusions. Died. He died. He walked pen around paper, perfectly healthy and fine. And then he After mysteriously he died of natural causes. Yeah. So f- I think it was either four or five officers died later as a result of what happened Officer Brian to them. Sitnik was a- voted for Trump. So I truly believe, you guys, this is the greatest conspiracy that our government has ever seen and that our government uh, Clinton five officers to keep their mouths shut because if it got out to the world that they set this up, which they obviously did, then they this would be the end of the Democrat Party. Can we roll this next clip? One of the enduring mysteries of January 6th is the role that intelligence and law enforcement agencies played in the events of that day. We know there was some number of undercover federal agents in the crowd at the Capitol. Officials have since admitted that under oath. But what exactly were they doing there? The January 6th committee worked hard to hide the answer to that question. We do know from contemporaneous videotape that a mysterious figure called Ray Epps encouraged the crowd to go into the Capitol. For some reason, Epps has never been indicted for that. But there's no question he did it. We need to go into the Capitol! Under public pressure, the January 6th committee finally interviewed Ray Epps. Epps told the committee that he never entered the Capitol and therefore never committed a crime. His text messages showed that at 2.12 p.m., he boasted to his nephew that he had, quote, orchestrated the protests at the Capitol. He admitted he helped get people there. Yet curiously, congressional Democrats consider Ray Epps an ally, not an insurrectionist. Tonight, we can tell you that at the very least, Ray Epps lied in his sworn testimony to the January 6th committee. Epps testified that when he sent the text messages to his nephew, 
he had already left the Capitol grounds to return to his hotel room. That is not true. The surveillance footage we found shows that, in fact, Ray Epps remained at the Capitol for at least another half an hour. You're seeing that on your screen now. What was Epps doing there? We can't say, but we do know that he lied to investigators. The January 6th committee likely knew this too. Democrats had access to the same tape, yet they defended Ray Epps. No honest investigation would do that. Lied about the police officer they claimed to revere. If they were willing to do that, then their dishonesty knew no limits. And as you'll see in a moment, their dishonesty did know no limits. New surveillance video in just a minute, including new reporting on Ray Epps and what he was doing there and what he told investigators he was doing there and how it's contradicted by the video evidence. But first to assess what we just saw, Charlie Hurt of the Washington Times joins us now. Charlie, thanks so much for coming on. Great to see so you. if you think and, and you, you, you know, you've really got a feel uh, for Brian Sicknick, who's passed away, um, and you've got to wonder about anyone who would who who knew they knew that he was not murdered by the mob, but they've right. claimed it anyway for two years. And it takes a, a very low kind of person to do that to lie about a man's death like that for political advantage. And this tape this tape proves that's exactly what they did. No, these people are truly sick. Uh, they're, they're uh, you know, you think you, you know, you think you know how sick they are, and then you see something like this, and you realize that there, uh, there is truly nothing, no body, uh, no event, nothing that they won't right. exploit. And as, as Joe Biden said, exactly. oh no, this is also about white supremacy, and and you know, nobody, uh, you know, nobody uh, comported themselves worse than the press did on this day, and of course, That's in the right. years afterwards. Um, and 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 the best example of it is to look at the degree to which so many people in the press are so upset that you got the tapes to, and that you're going to release the tapes. I've never heard of this. I've, I've never, in all of my life, I've never known a press that didn't want information to be released. That's what we have been fighting for since the invent, invention of the, the printing press. And so, and now we have all these people, they're so committed to sort of the big lie that, that the government tells that they'll do anything, including uh, you know, denigrating the name of a good police officer and trying to hide the truth uh, in order to sort of prop up this this propaganda and I, and you know de the, the deadly insurrection is one of them the other one that, that they that they love to talk about is the armed insurrectionists and I remember at the time asking reporters at the time you know wh why do you keep calling these people armed insurrectionists when there's no evidence that anybody used any arms against it and they said well they had flagpoles so it's because people were walking around with American flags that made them armed insurrectionists I should say for our viewers who don't know, you've been in journalism all your life. Your father was a journalist. You grew up in this business. And I, I agree with you. It's shocking to see how thoroughly it's been perverted into what it is now. To support the is, government. Right. Active defense of the people in charge. It's, it's yeah. shocking. Charlie Hurt, appreciate it. Thank you. Great to see you. So the Epoch Times reported that McCarthy was interviewed by Breitbart. And in that interview, he was asked about 
if he was going to release these tapes to the public. He said, yes, they have to go through, uh, they have to finish going through them all themselves for security purposes, for whatever. And then yes, they will release them. I'm kind of waiting on, you know, I'm not, I'm not trusting this man as far as I can throw him yet. However, multiple defendants from the January 6th, from January 6th that are being held and their trials are still ongoing, have asked for their trials to be delayed in light of the footage that has been released by Tucker and McCarthy is supporting that these defendants should have the right to access this footage, which should, it goes without saying, constitutionally, 100%, you have the right to exculpatory evidence. And here's the, here is the rub of it all. The January 6th committee knows of all of this footage and they, they knew still of the had it withheld. Of Jacob. Yes. They, they knew that those all of those people on the com committee should go to jail. The judge in his case has to look at this tape and say, there's a either if you don't drop all the charges, which I believe all the charges should be dropped, then you should get a new trial. I mean, if you've got nine police officers, how are you supposed to know that you're doing something wrong? Exactly. Police officers pull you over for speeding. One officer said, well, we were trying to de-escalate the situation. Well, you got nine guys. How many officers does it take to go ahead and just take a guy down? Exactly. If he was there to bring violence. Now, one other thing that has come out, remember, they are calling this an armed insurrection, but yeah. no one, to my knowledge, was actually armed inside the Capitol with a weapon. No. They had flagpoles. Right. They were viewing those as weapons. And again, it wouldn't be resistance chicks unless I brought this aspect up to it. The reason why they call it armed is because just walking around the Capitol with the United States flag is an affront to them. And it gives you well, a true. spiritual weapon yeah. against their spiritual demonic forces. So Tucker Carlson went uh, on Glenn Beck's program nice. he, on radio wise. He called in. And Glenn Beck called said, in. Yeah, he called in. Well, he, okay, he, they arranged it. They it wasn't arranged, like, hey, yeah. get surprised. I'm I don't Tucker. Think so. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so you called the January 6th committee members liars, said Glenn Beck, referring uh, both to Carlson's commentary Monday and the committee members' promotion of the claim that Capitol Police Officer Brian Sicknick had been killed as a result of injuries sustained that day. Do you do you make that case that they're liars, that they just didn't, you know, fib a bit and eat around the corners? Or are these full-fledged liars? And Carlson said, well, that was the stunning part to me. I've been in Washington my whole life. My dad worked for the government. So I had a kind of root level trust in the government. My default setting is they're not lying about anything. I never assumed that. So I was shocked to learn that they were lying intentionally. We have a very specific way of knowing that. The January 6th committee researchers looked at video. They bookmarked it. They left an electronic mark on the video they watched. So we know what they watched and when they watched it. He noted there is the video of Jacob Transley, of Ray Epps, of Brian Sitnik, and that we know that they watched them. That was not included in the report. That was never mentioned in their hearings. A year and a half, a thousand uh, witnesses, 850 page report. And this video, which overturns the story they're telling, proves it was a lie for Jacob Chansley, the so-called on shaman. This lie proved life changing. And then Chansley's lawyers actually um, uh, went on Tucker Carlson and said he hadn't seen any of the newly released footage. Um, so this is, this is crazy. And, 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 you know, saying, knowing that the government lied and the fact that they, that he has those timestamps, they watched the video. They know he walked around the, the Capitol and building, but they couldn't show you that what they do, what they did here. And I know it's hard to even grasp and you guys get this. They set up a narrative. Okay. Of crazy insurrectionists. Then they created the narrative, hoping that people would join in. And people did join in and they were so excited. That's why Nancy Pelosi was like, I've been waiting for this day. 
I've been waiting for this day. And she had her daughter filming a documentary. I've been waiting for Trump to get to the Capitol. I'm going to punch, him, gonna in punch him in the face. You know, so the, he they were waiting for the city. They had Trump planned this made all it to day. The Capitol. Trump was tipped off. What's unfortunate is that Trump didn't wasn't able to get that tip to the people soon enough. Right. Yeah. And uh, Carlson says about Liz Cheney. I just always assume she disagrees with me on issues. No, it turns out Liz Cheney is actually affirmatively a liar. She knew the information. She withheld it. And I think it's it's deeper than that. Her 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 dad, uh, Dick Cheney, was in on the most massive um, psyop that America had ever seen with the war in Iraq. And 9-11. Okay, and 9-11. And, and so going in and and overthrowing Saddam Hussein and getting us involved in this war on terror, she is a part of it. And it's like, it is a movie. It is a movie. And what we're seeing is this continues to happen. So up next, we're going to show you a clip of Tulsi Gabbard exposing the fact that we bombed Nord Stream 2. And we're going to get into that right after this break. Don't go anywhere Don't because go we anywhere. have so much more coming up on the other side of these awesome, awesome messages from Brideon TV. I like me some good news, Leah. So before we get to the, we, we bombed Nord Stream 2 clip there, what, what good news do you have for the people? Yeah, so Tennessee has been at the forefront of, of protecting your children from the transgender ideology and from mutilating children. And they have just signed into law uh, a bill that will ban drag shows for minors. Come so you on. can't, so no, you don't get to men. You don't get to watch full grown men gyrating in women's clothing in like little children. And, this is not, uh, not okay. And trans youth medical procedure. So, um, Republican, Tennessee Republican Governor Bill Lee signed the legislation on Thursday, March 2nd. Adult cabaret performances in front of children and transgender medical treatment for minors have now been banned in Tennessee. And I think awesome. we covered this a little bit last week, but I didn't cover the uh, the drag show, drag queen shows for kids, which is so important. You know, I saw another clip today of a little girl. The, the thing about drag is you're supposed to dance for money and it's, it is a sexual thing. Like, don't tell me that Our, all drag is a is a is a sexual sensual performance. Is there a an age limit on entering into a strip club? Yeah. Yes. These even if they're not showing, and actually I've seen some drag screen drag queen story hour where you're seeing yeah. like full buttocks, right? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. You know what I mean? The idea isn't so much the nakedness as much as it is the provocateur, mm -hmm. right? This is provocative nature. Thank you. Provocative, well, whatever. The, the provocative nature of the dancing, yeah. it is sexual in nature. And I like how they put it. It's a cabaret. I said, these are, these are adult-themed entertainers, okay? And no, kids don't get, oh, we want kids in the adult thing. No, the reason you separate, you're not allowed to go into bars before you're 18. Uh, you can't drink to 21. What if they had... You can't go into your 18. What if they had for children male and females, not just, just straight up people coming in and they only removed some of their clothes, like down to like a swimsuit level, which is what the drag queen story hours do. Right. And, but they did the same dance as like pole dancing and all of that. What if that was going on in public schools? What if that was going on in, in like, I think it is, but yeah, I know you're I'm about. not sure that it really is. Yeah. I hope that it's not. Dear so Lord. thank you, Tennessee, for looking out for kids. All right. So, um, Moving on to this clip we've got for you with Tucker Carlson and Tulsi Gabbard about the Nord Stream Pipeline. I hate the fact that, you know, we, we run with things because we know it's true. Like there was it, the, the lab leak from the lab 
I'm uh, COVID-19 and I'm fully convinced that it was purposeful. It wasn't yeah. like a leak. We said that from day one. It was planted. We saw the videos of like Asian women going around sick, touching computers and all kinds of weird stuff, going out and buying all the, the masks. I think some of those videos on going out and buying the masks were to get people to want the masks, but you know. Right, because you see I, it I, going I off the shelf, you're like, I need my mask. And so I with, toilet paper. with this war in Ukraine, we are perpetuating, this, our country is perpetuating this giant war in Ukraine that is causing economic distress across the whole, whole world. Mm-hmm. Okay. This gas pipeline being blown up is an act of war. It was the energy line basically for Germany and for our president to say, you know what, Germans, you don't need heat this winter. That's Sometimes an you just got to tighten the belt buckle. You got to put on a couple That's extra layers. And, and, and Biden said, so if we you guys do. keep using this, Biden, the administration were saying, buy, uh, that Germany, if you keep buying this oil from or, or this natural gas from Russia, we're going to make sure that you can't. We're one way or another. So let's go ahead and roll, roll this um, video here. Haven't they been telling us for over a year that Russia's about to be defeated? Then why are we sending an ever-increasing amount of money and material to Ukraine. Could they be lying to us? And speaking of lying to us, remember they told us that Russia blew up its own pipeline? The New York Times told us, everyone told us that. Shut up, Putin defender, the Russians did it. Well, now they're admitting the Russians didn't do it, but we didn't do it either. Something called a pro-Ukrainian group blew up the Nord Stream pipeline and created the largest environmental disaster in human history and also shafted our NATO allies in Western Europe, a pro-Ukrainian group, okay. Dulcie Gabbard served in the Congress for president. She joins us tonight. Congressman, thanks so much for coming on. So this is a pro-Ukrainian group that has the military prowess to blow up one of the world's most important pipelines. But we had the Biden administration had nothing to do with it. Is that the new lie that they're telling us? Uh, apparently so. It is It is so obvious at this point, Tucker, that the United States and NATO are responsible for this act of sabotage and act of war, attacking and destroying this Nordstrom pipeline. They've been lying to us all along about it. Now they've been busted. And so they're trying to sell us this absurd cover-up story where on the one hand, they're telling us, well, we have this new intelligence that shows us no Americans or Brits were involved in this attack. But then at the same time, we can't draw any conclusions from the intelligence on who actually did it because we don't have specific details on each of the members of this so-called pro-Ukrainian group. Like it, it's just it's it's insanity for anybody who's paying attention to what they're saying. Uh, the reality is that they are responsible for this, and there are short-term and long-term serious implications yes. for this action. It set, it sets this precedent, Tucker, for countries like Russia, uh, North Korea, Iran, and China to go ahead and launch these attacks and sabotage against critical infrastructure against other countries like gas pipelines, uh, undersea cables, financial systems, satellites, the list goes on and on. Just imagine the kind of uh, problems to say the least that that would cause for us, the American people uh, and for the world. But I'm just, can I just ask a, a super dumb question? No one's ever answered it. So this pipeline fed Germany, which is the economic engine of Europe. Germany's the key player in NATO. We're all for NATO. We just wrecked the economy of our key NATO ally. If Germany blew up the Hoover Dam, would they still be our tight NATO ally? Like, doesn't NATO have to disintegrate after we get caught doing this? 
You know, that, that's that's the thing here. I think a, a couple of points is the Biden administration, NATO, want us to believe that that some that they want us to believe this cover up story, first of all, which their cover up story implies that the United States and NATO's military and intelligence agencies are so inept and incapable that nobody knows what was going on. Nobody saw this coming. Uh, but secondly, you're exactly right. This was an act of war, not just against Russia, but also against our ally, Germany. Yeah. Also, an act of war can only be declared by Congress, not by the president of the United States or anybody else. That clearly didn't happen. And that's where Biden needs to address the nation, tell us the whole truth about what went down. And Congress needs to exercise its oversight responsibilities to actually investigate this, to tell, to tell us the truth, get to the bottom of it and to hold those responsible accountable. Yeah. I mean, it's the craziest, most reckless thing I've ever seen in 50 years of sort of paying attention. Tulsi Gabbard, thank you so much for continuing to call <laughs> attention. You. It's just unbelievable. No one is paying attention. It, it, it really is. You. It really Thanks. is. Not to mention the ecological disaster that happened when we did this. I mean, where are all the environmentalists? Oh, I know. This was the bi biggest ecological, purposeful ecological mess besides what they did here in Ohio, East Palestine, right? Yeah. You know? Um, it seems like our government likes to mess with everything, including social media. And thank God uh, that uh, that Elon Musk did buy Twitter because we are learning some stuff. I do not trust him as far as I could throw him. Or one but of we his are cars. learning some things. And I'm glad that there is, was an, kind of an exposing of Twitter and the government's collusion on Capitol Hill this week. So let's go ahead and roll this clip. The FTC has extraordinarily serious concerns about Twitter's handling of consumers' data, and that there's something going on between congressional Republicans and Elon Musk. Mr. Chairman, Americans can see through this. Musk is helping you out politically, and you're going out of your way to promote and protect him and to praise him for his work. This isn't just a matter of what data was given to these so-called journalists before us now. There are many legitimate questions about where Musk got the financing to buy Twitter. We know this is because at the first hearing, the chairman claimed that big government and big tech colluded to shape and mold the narrative and suppress information and censor Americans. This is a false narrative. We're engaging in false narratives here, and we are going to tell the truth. I yield back. Gentlelady uh, yields back. I would just point out the consent decree was in our report. We offered your staff also the opportunity to review the FTC letters. You have not come over to review those letters. Third, the idea that I believe both of these individuals who are getting ready to testify, I believe they're both Democrats. The idea that two journalists who Did happen to be Democrats. Did you not give Democrats, that offer you know, at 8 o'clock last I'm night? Now. Your time was, rec uh, was uh, ended We're a few Neither of us ago. are in time. I don't think they're here to help us politically. I think they're here to tell us the truth. And oh, by the way, the first FTC letter to Twitter after the first set of Twitter files, the very first question was who are the journalists you're talking to? And you guys don't care. You don't care. You, you care don't want about the, the you don't 2011 want the to see, consent decree? You don't want the American people to see what happened, the full video, transparency. You don't want that, and you don't want two journalists who have been named personally by the Biden administration, FTC, in a letter? The Biden administration and you're saying is they're not here the to FTC. help us. They're here to tell their story. And frankly, I think they're brave individuals for being willing to come after they've been named in a letter from the Biden FTC. 
Is this your question time now? No, I'm responding to your ridiculous oh. statements you made in your, in your opening statement. Okay, well, let's get on with it. Chairman Jordan, Ranking Member Plaskett, members of the Select Committee, thank you for having me today. My name is Matt Taibbi. I've been a reporter for 30 years uh, and a staunch advocate of the First Amendment. Much of that time was spent at Rolling Stone magazine. Uh, Ranking Member Plaskett, um, I'm not a so-called journalist. Uh, I've won the National Magazine Award, the I.F. Stone Award for Independent Journalism, and I've written 10 books, including four New York Times, New York Times bestsellers. <laughs> uh, I'm now the editor of the online magazine Racket on the independent platform Substack. I'm here today because of a series of events that began late last year when I received a note from a source online. It read, are you interested in doing a deep dive into what censorship and manipulation was going on at Twitter? A week later, the first of what became known as the Twitter Files reports came out. To say these attracted intense public interest would be an understatement. My computer looked like a Vegas slot machine uh, as the, just the first tweet about the blockage of the Hunter Biden laptop story registered 143 million impressions and 30 million engagements. But it wasn't until a week after the first report, after Michael Schellenberger, Barry Weiss, and other researchers joined the search of the files, that we started to grasp the significance of this story. The original promise of the internet was that it might democratize the exchange of information globally. A free internet would overwhelm all attempts to control information flow, its very existence a threat to anti-democratic forms of government everywhere. What we found in the files was a sweeping effort to reverse that promise and use machine learning and other tools to turn the internet into an in instrument of censorship and social control. Unfortunately, our own government appears to be playing a lead role. You know, the fact that she called him a so-called journalist is the very epitome of how much these people lie. You will take somebody from a left-leaning magazine like the Rolling Stone, a reporter who has been a reporter for 30 years, a New York Times bestseller of 10 books, and, and say he's a so-called journalist. This is how they lie to you. This is right in front of your face. Right in front of your face. So-called journalist. Like it's just some sort of online dude that went through some stuff. Yeah, so also this week, and you guys can watch this on our second playback on resistancechicks.com, Thomas Massey found out that the CDC actually tracks all tweets of congressmen. No way. They track all their tweets, and and they were the ones that put pressure on Twitter wow. for, you know, misinformation when, for, for when COVID. Thomas Massey was talking about uh, Ivermectin. Natural, well, natural immunity. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And why why did they do that? Because they were getting ready to roll out the vaccine to the the military. Unbelievable. So we're gonna get, we're gonna get in more into that. But I have a I have um, a clip for you. There's actually a case. So Robert Barnes is an attorney. He was a, a, attorney for Trump or for Alex Jones. He was attorney for Alex Jones. He is now um, actually suing Pfizer on behalf of a whistleblower from inside of Pfizer named Brooke Jackson. Okay, and he lays out the case. Number one. Um, why Pfizer should be sued because they withheld information, they withheld um, the adverse events, sure. they withheld the fact that it was not a sterilizing vaccine. So in the first part of this clip, there's two clips. One, he talks about his Brooke Jackson case. And the first one, he lays out for Trump that he should sue Pfizer. Yeah. He should go after Pfizer because the United States government made a deal for Pfizer and Pfizer didn't hold up their end of the bargain. So uh, let's take a look at this. 
Even the contract language said there's three things you could deliver. You could deliver something that's a diagnostic tool, you could deliver something that is a treatment tool, or you could deliver something that is a preventative tool. So it distinguished the three. And it said what you're going to deliver us, Pfizer, if you want to get paid, is you're going to deliver us something that is a preventative tool, that it will prevent COVID-19. That was repeated all the way through the contract. That's where if President Trump fully appreciates the Brooke Jackson case, he would understand he was lied to by Pfizer and that it is time for the president to recognize he was lied to by Pfizer, that the American people were lied to by Pfizer, and he should say they should be held accountable for the lies they told. Because this is the biggest mass crime by a, uh, any company in the history of the United States. Since Pfizer. Health. Since Pfizer. Since exactly. Pfizer. Yeah, they're trying to one-up themselves. Completely. I've always told people that Pfizer makes El Chapo look like a street corner drug dealer. That n no Mexican drug cartel could ever imagine having the deleterious and damaging and destructive effect that Pfizer has had. And nothing like what they've done here. So I represent uh, Brooke Jackson, who is a whistleblower who exposed that the Pfizer clinical trials were riddled not only with error, but with fraudulent and false certifications to the U.S. government. That's the allegation of the suit. Allegedly. Yes. The, uh, well, she's got a lot of evidence of it. But, the, uh, but what's fascinating is Pfizer has moved to dismiss the case, and their grounds to dismiss, as they repeated in the scheduling conference we had this week, is that it doesn't matter if they submitted fraudulent certifications to the government. It doesn't matter if they submitted false statements under penalty of perjury to the government. It doesn't matter if they lied about the safety and efficacy of these uh, drugs mislabeled, in my opinion, as vaccines. Because the government was in on it with them. The government knows what's going on, and the government still would have given them the check anyway. So is it really fraud if the government's their co-conspirator? That is, in essence, Pfizer's defense so far to the uh, to the case. So it'll be an interesting case. The judge said that we would be entitled to discovery about any issue related to the motion to dismiss. And so that that uh, covers some territory. That's an interesting thing. In, in Quebec, last time I checked, if you make a motion, anytime you file a new affidavit in support of a motion, you get to examine on the affidavit. So if they file the motion to dismiss, basically saying, look, we're innocent, but even if we're guilty, they authorized to do it. They authorized us to do it. Do you not get to examine them on those new allegations, which were not part of the original proceeding and are new to the file? So you, you, that, that's you what the judge said. Judge said we're entitled to discovery on those issues, which they were going ballistic about. The uh, they kept saying, "Oh, well, we've just moved to dismiss. A motion to dismiss is on the four corners of the pleadings, not their motion to dismiss. Well, their motion to dismiss includes a bunch of extra extrinsic information, documentation, and testimony, which we're absolutely entitled to contest and dispute." And to get discovery concerning, so the and the court recognized the same. Very, uh, you know, straightforward, old school judge. Um, so the uh, he was talking about when he first saw the, you know, some federal rules. He thought that they were communists back in the day, 30, 35 years ago. But he goes, they really work well, and it involves, uh, you know, disclosure and discovery in a timely, material way. So they'll be able to limit some discovery, but not as much as I think they wanted to. And it was a fascinating. Man, this is it, the plot thickens. And you know, this kind of goes in line with the Revelation Red Pill Academy that yeah. we've been doing, or Revelation Red Pill Wednesdays we've been doing on our show. I want mm -hmm. you guys to tune into that. You can watch the past episodes. Yeah. But what I see happening is a takeover where we are no longer losing. These people are going to go down. Pfizer is going to go down. The yeah. truth is going to come out and be exposed. And I yeah. think it's because the body of Christ is rising up and recognizing who they are in the kingdom of God. Yeah. Who are you in the kingdom of God?
you guys can join us at the Revelation Red Pill on Wednesdays and learn you about. You don't want to miss are. out. I'm telling you, the feedback that we've had has for for that for this new series that we've started every single Wednesday has been phenomenal. We're on the upswing. Yes, I, I felt it. Um, I know a lot of people. We're talking to Scott Casterson. I truly feel like we are on the winning side. We are taking ground. Do not allow anything that comes into your life. Come on. To to bring you negative thoughts because right now you're we're taking that ground it's ours it's a, it's the time and that tug of war where you start to see that it's going it's here it comes here comes she going they're right? gonna do face plants in that mud exactly pile. so i want you guys to keep speaking of face planting into a mud pile uh we ha we do have for you some clips this week of joe biden and we're gonna let michelle do her little commentary uh i don't know if our, our producers are want to Put our faces up there with with her. Yes, we let's do, do it. We do. We do have a special Kamala clip at the end too. Oh, that's really fun. All right, let's take a look at this week's best of Biden. And I had uh, these terrible headaches. Was diagnosed with having a. a uh, anyway, they had to take the top of my head off a couple times. <laughs> see if I had a brain. Is uh, what it's kind of surprised me. They uh, they want to make sure we don't have enough IRS agents. You know those IRS agents we had. They're going to check on the accounts of the super wealthy, which require a lot of accounting, a lot of agents to look at it. <laughs> they want to get rid of them. Guess what? You may remember I was running for office at the time, but you all may remember it, that the, I had a big fight with uh, the former president uh, and maybe future president. Bless me, father. Anyway, no. I mean, one of the young leaders was talking to me about Climate mental health. I said, tell me what's going on with your peers. Climate mental health. And she talked, I said, I think I understand that, but unpack it for me. And she talked about how her peers are thinking about it. One example is, you know, whether when they're ready, could they start a family? Yes. Worried about what that would mean. And the stress of it. They were talking about it in terms of their peers trying to figure out, you know, they're going to have to get a job and they're going to have to make a living, but what can they do and how can they adapt the education that they're having now to their activism? What was that? I don't even know what she was trying to say. Climate, mental health and having babies and activism? And, and how do we get a job and keep fighting for the climate at the same time? Because we know we're consumers and we're damaging the climate. Oh my goodness. But my favorite part was... I do believe God got a hold of Joe Biden. He said the, the former, former president and maybe, maybe future, future president. president. That was the sign of the cross. He could be, he could be the future <laughs> president. And then the room, there's like the air was sucked out of the room at that point. All could right. you imagine? No, I, love I was it. like, what was this? And then he said he said his head taken off to find out if he had a brain. I don't think that was ever confirmed, Joe. No whispering about the IRS agents. All right, but what is really serious is you want to go to the Brighteon store, brighteonstore.com and use promo code chicks. They've got a bunch of things on sale this week, including their um their soil or soil silver gel. That was a Freudian slip there too. The silver gel, the first aid gel tube, has so much in it. It's not just silver. I was seeing it had oregano oil in it. Oh wow! And three different types of silver. So there's there that's, that's on the so website. Good for wounds to the heal. Ranger and... buckets are there on sale Ranger this week. Ranger buckets. And iodine is on sale sale this week. I use it literally every single day. You don't want to miss. There's so much there. Brighteonstore.com. Use promo 
promo code chicks and you'll be supporting this network and bringing shows like ours to you every single week speaking of every single week we'll see you next friday right here on brighton.tv 6 p.m eastern standard time we love you god loves you god bless remember it's not just a conspiracy theory if it's actually the truth happy birthday to you You live in a zoo. Our farm. We've got baby chickies. Happy birthday. Tomorrow is Leah's birthday. Now, when this is the way I think everybody should do birthdays. If you need new toothpaste during birthday week, it's for your birthday. Oh, absolutely. You got to get baby chicks for your farm. Happens on birthday week. It's for your birthday. It's baby birthday chicks. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? So we got baby birthday chicks. So you're going to get to see, look at those chick butts. Everybody is going to start tuning in to watch chick butts. Not these chick butts, because you wouldn't want to see these. They're not cute and fluffy. These chick butts are the cutest thing. And I wish that I could have the microphone in there so you can hear the the chirping. Because that's all we're hearing is chirp, 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 chirp. It is so stinking cute. We, this is part of our new show though, by the way. Because, did you know that if you try to buy baby chicks right now, they're sold out. They are. We went to two. We went to Tractor Supply. We went to Rural King. Tractor had um, some Peking ducks. Ducks. All their other bins where they keep their baby chicks were all sold out. Ray Debbie says, happy birthday, Leah. My husband's is today. Well, happy Happy birthday birthday to your husband. Happy birthday. Okay, so look at. Y'all aren't even going to watch Leah and I the whole show, even though we have the same hair today, which we rarely ever do, by the way. Leah doesn't do her hair like mine very often. Um, it's a very similar look there. Similar. Can you see, see people wonder if we're twins all the time? Wave. Today, I think we have, if my eyes were a little bit bigger, because my eyes aren't big. My eyes are big. We, we definitely, I think we've got the twin look to it t- today. People ask us all the time. I don't know. So as of tomorrow, we will be three years apart. Right. Yeah. Right now we're two years apart. Yeah. Tomorrow will be three years sometimes apart. Sometimes we're, you know, two and a half inches apart. Sometimes three inches apart. Give or take. <laughs> Wesley says, hi, Michelle and Leah checking in from Ackworth, Georgia. Happy birthday, Eve 2023, Leah. Thank you, guys. Minkles starts off the chat and rumble very serious. Ladies, I don't know what to wait for anymore. My whole life has been waiting, watching, searching. Guess what? I was listening to Johnny Enlow with Joy and Matt Thayer of Spiro Pictures today. And he said that the pastors across America say one thing about their parishioners, you know, the people that go to their church, that they are missing their identity. And the reason why our Revelation Red Pill Wednesdays, which we're going to keep pushing because we don't make any money. Is that what Minkles is referring to? I don't know, but I'm going to get to a point here. The reason why we are doing this series is not to debunk modern end times theory like we keep telling you and we've been getting the comments I, you know, y'all got to stick with us on this it's, i don't really care it's i don't care about that all what i do care about is that when you understand that the kingdom of god has come has come jesus literally said that over and over again he's talking about the kingdom of god the kingdom of god is here the kingdom of god is here the kingdom of god is at hand it's here it's here it's here it's here it's here, it's here, here, here. here, here. when the kingdom of god is here like it has been for the last two thousand years and you know who you are in christ then you know what your job is here on this earth so you're waiting you're watching you're searching for whatever and the answer is god has a call on your life And not everybody is called to be a pastor or have a podcast or something that that seems big to the world's eyes. 
but everybody is called to do something huge. And, and that's what we're trying to eventually get to in the Revelation Red Pill Wednesdays is to show you who you are, right? Mm -hmm. In Christ and what your call is. Yeah. Because everybody has a call. Everybody has a gifting. Everybody is instrumental in the taking over of the planet, planet. as our friend Corey Gray likes to say. So, um, yes, Jack says designer chicks equals high maintenance. We have designer chicks. Leah, why are these? Look at, look at how they're, designer they look. They are, um, they're just more expensive. They're going to, so the olive eggers are going to lay green eggs. The mystic marins will lay very dark colored brown eggs. And, um, why did we get designer chicks, Leah? Pearly star leghorns. Pearly star leghorns. Are very friendly, um, because that's all they, they had left really because most people didn't want to spend $7.99 on <laughs> a baby chick. $7.99. We have never spent $8 a chick. Man, holy moly. That's a lot of money. We found out we were, we had to drive clear across, 45 minutes away we drove to get these puppies. Yeah. Okay. They're not puppies. Now you can order some online and you can probably get them a little bit cheaper. Yeah. But, but we uh, were on a time crunch because we really need to get our chicks started now uh, based on our weather and our schedule. We're going to be yeah. starting. We've already started some seeds. There's a lot going on in the spring. Spring is in the air. So anyway, Nichols uh, says happy eve of your birthday. Thank Leah. you. Leah. And I do have, I don't know when we're going to do the birthday mail call. Probably Sunday maybe. Oh, I thought you were going to do tonight. I don't care. You want? No, let's wait till Sunday. Okay. I think we'll, unless you want to do it tonight. It's your birthday. It's birthday mail call. Yeah. We'll see. We'll see how the show okay. goes. Okay. Anyway. Normally we do like a whole show and everybody loves that. They oh, come for the birthday show. show. Yeah. That's what I was thinking. Mm. Mm. You don't want to do a birthday show? Well, I was thinking we normally do them on Friday nights. They always do them on Friday nights. Well, but your birthday Sunday. Eve just so happens to land on the night of our world, our, our, our headline weekly news broadcast. Yeah, I thought, I thought we were going to do it tonight, but I didn't. But you normally do a big old thing and let I people know. I know, and it's so fun. The birthday shows, raise your hand if we should do a separate show or just kind of tag it on the end. They can't raise their hands. It's They're in the chat. everywhere. I have a friend that paid a little over $5 a chick at Royal King. Mm. Leah doesn't look too excited to have a birthday. Look, she's so excited to have her birthday. You I was going to grab her face, but she doesn't like to be touched. The, the pilgrims did celebrate birthdays, and they celebrated the giftings and callings of God on your life. It is a little bit <laughs> they harder all say, it on as the you get older. <laughs> to, yay! You know, you're like 16, can't wait. You know, and then it's like, whoa. Uh, you know, I, I keep know. doing this Do on our really show. Do keep having birthdays? I keep just like not have a birthday? I, you haven't read my card from today? Yeah. And I wrote in it. I have the, I have the answer and solution to this. Oh. Should I give it now live on yeah. air even yes. though you haven't seen the card yet? Yes, for everyone else. <laughs> I think we have it all wrong. When you're a kid, I wrote this in your card today. Okay. When you are a kid, you look forward to every birthday of getting older, right? Because you get more, you more responsibility. You're treated with more respect, right? And in the Bible, we see that people with the hoary heads, you know what I'm saying? That's the gray-haired people. They are treated with reverence and respect, and they've got all this power and authority. Yes. And we view birthdays all wrong. All wrong. You ought to keep, like, every year. And I, I wrote this down. This is going to, I'm giving away my whole card. In the, the reason I said in Bible times, people would be excited about their birthdays because they were alive. <laughs> God preserved their life another year. I am happy to be alive this You're year. You're here. Glory. You know, way back when, it wasn't always a given. 
know what I'm saying? Life expectancy in the Bible time was it was hit or miss. You were it either kind of died young or you died old. Those in-betweeners didn't quite, you know, yeah. you're in that great in-between where, oh, I made it another year. I'm still here. Still kicking. Woohoo! You know, um, you know what I'm saying? In 2020, I had a birthday, and um, March 11th, our governor here in Ohio declared a state of emergency, and COVID <laughs> came in. Today, the day before my birthday, a bank has collapsed. Leah, you get all the best presents. And it could send, it, it has sent shockwaves through the entire world, Boom. okay? This is it just happened today. It's breaking news. Silicon Valley Bank. 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 SVB. The, it, the not SVB. to be confused with Sam Bankman-Fried. That would be the SBF. All right. Dude. So this bank, we're going to get into this because this could spell, uh, is this the canary of the coal, coal mine? Is this the, you know, avalanche? Has it begun rolling? We've been warning you guys about a financial collapse. You cannot keep spending, 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 uh, increasing the deficit over and over and over again and not have some financial repercussions. Big ones. I'm going to let y'all in on a secret. Oh, oh, shoot, shoot, shoot. oh, I'm going to drop my pen. I want, I'm going to need that pen back. I am actually going to make another little small silver purchase after this. <laughs> it's It's pushing me. I'm going to do it because I feel like it's this is important. Yeah. No, this is really important. I'm gonna get so this is the 18th largest bank in the United States. and That's pretty big bank. It's the Silicon Valley branch uh, uh, bank that 50% of tech money, even startup money, goes to this bank. Now, you guys know most of you don't have more than $250,000 in the <laughs> bank. Maybe you do. Maybe you do. Maybe you do. Um, but the in FDIC case was wondering, we don't, the FDIC has, has everybody covered at all these, you know, major banks for up to, you see it on, as you go through the drive through up to $250,000. Yeah. Well, this bank, you will be covered up to $250,000, but there are no guarantees at all. After that $250,000. Now, will they're hoping that some venture capitalists might jump in and kind of take over some of that bad debt and that money. So let's take a look at what this is. Each depositor insured to at least $250,000. Mm-hmm. Now that says at least. Backed by the full faith and credit of the United States government. Leah, how do you feel about the full faith and credit of the uh, United States government there? I'm not feeling real good about it. And I believe there is about $151 billion that is uninsured. I also was reading from OAN where uh, it said that 93% of depositors <laughs> into the bank have l- more than $250,000. These are tech startups. Mm-hmm. These are businesses who mm. keep a couple million dollars on hand and yeah. they have to pay payroll and they have to they have to be liquid. And so let me start with a few of these videos if you wouldn't mind bringing no, them up, Michelle. Uh, what is going to happen to these uh, the 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 people who have money in this bank? There was a run on the bank earlier 
Um, so it really doesn't matter which one you want to start with some of these. Um, you're definitely saying to combine the birthday stuff with this episode. So I guess okay. we're going to do the birthday at the end of the show. I didn't get to make a thumbnail or anything. I might have 250,000 pennies. <laughs> Did somebody say that? Yeah. All right. Hang on. I haven't switched screens. So find your video and then we'll All right. Let's start here. And this is a bank. This is a, uh, uh, I believe this is a capital, um, Capital Fund guy, Low Tony, who Low Tony, he was he was warning people to get money. Um, Silicon Valley. Hang Bank on, let me. Beforehand. That's our live stream there. Let's switch screens here. All right. Now this is the second largest bank failure in the United States history. That's huge. You know what your thoughts are as this this story unfolds. Before I ask you another serious uh, series of questions. This is very unfortunate because Silicon Valley Bank has been a cornerstone of the ecosystem for technology companies and life sciences companies for over four decades, 40 years. And if we think about what it means, you know, it's estimated that almost half of venture capital dollars at some point have flowed through Silicon Valley Bank. Silicon Valley Bank not only provides deposits for startups, a lot of the venture capital funds also bank there. Startups have venture debt to be able to provide additional financing outside of equity. Even the venture capital firms will often have lines of credit to be able to finance deals before they call capital from their investors. But I just want to make one very important point, Scott. That is mm -hmm. that Plexo Capital, we are fiduciaries. The entire venture capital industry that takes outside money, we have a fiduciary responsibility to prudently manage risk on behalf of the colleges, universities, endowments, retirement systems. And so immediately yesterday, after talking to senior level bank executives at a top 10 financial institution, realized this was very serious and moving quickly. We sent a note out to our GP network that manages $2 billion in venture capital funds, and we told them the risk and to move as quickly as possible before the wire cutoff. And many of them listened and were able to move. But look, we all had relationships, personal relationships with individuals at Silicon Valley Bank. And unfortunately, there were a lot of people that wanted to remain supportive, but that wasn't acting as a fiduciary. We have to prudently manage risk. Does does Plexo, um, I, I, don't, I don't even want to use the word did. I mean, it's this is, I know the bank has been closed, but does, um, does Plexo have money at Silicon Valley Bank? Do, do you personally, because I've heard of, you know, stories of GPs, it just is so interconnected uh, the way things work out there. That's um, right. Do yeah, you we, personally have money there? Did, yeah, did Plexo have money Scott, there? Fortunately, Scott, we as an institution did not have any funds at Silicon Valley Bank or use of their debt products. I personally was not banking with Silicon Valley Bank. But your point is spot on. Not only does Silicon Valley Bank or did Silicon Valley Bank provide services to tech startups, they provided financial services to big tech, to venture capital firms, and even the individual GPs and high net worth individuals that often made their money from tech would use Silicon Valley Bank in multiple ways. For example, general partners at venture capital funds have to put up a portion of the funds that they raise personally as individuals. Silicon Valley Bank would provide individual lines of credit to help those GPs finance their own personal general partner commitment. 
high net worth individuals that include general partners at venture capital funds, as well as tech executives and startup executives, often used Silicon Valley banks wealth management services to manage their own personal capital. Mm -hmm. And then in addition, Silicon Valley Bank also had a unit that invested into venture capital funds. And when we think about what's happened now, we only saw $250,000 of those amounts protected. Now, in a normal banking relationship for a consumer, that would probably cover it. But in many instances, there were firms that had millions of dollars that were deposited, and now those funds are at risk. Now at risk. those funds yeah, are Yeah, you may at not get them back. Risky. Tanya Joy says, hey, I do on the Twitter. I think that was to the Twitter. Uh, uh, Tanya Joy, if you guys are not subscribed to Beauty for Ashes with Tanya Joy on Facebook and on Rumble, you need to be following her. We have done three episodes with this amazing spitfire of a woman, and I love her so much. So Tanya Joy Gibson, I'm so glad you're here. We love you. All right, America's 16th largest bank has collapsed. That's the big news right now. The, uh, the damage and the fallout relatively contained, I should point out. Uh, this after Silicon Bank Bank had slid more than uh, the stock, at least at 60% in just the last 24 hours or so. Uh, it was forced to sell a, a roughly $21, $22 billion bond portfolio, and it recognized a nearly $2 billion loss, I believe $1.8 billion when all was said and done. The CEO to whom we've reached out, uh, Greg Becker, was on the wires indicating that financial institution will still be well positioned. It is well capitalized, but that did not stop uh, government regulators from saying that we're shutting you down. Um, depositors are going to be protected through the FDIC. Seems to be localized. Back with Gary Kalpom, Susan Lee. Gary, um, everyone is saying the right thing and then looking at stock prices right now. Uh, they are relatively contained, uh, nothing like we saw with the first hints of problems, certainly uh, during the Lehman Brothers situation and so much more AIG back all those years ago. So they say very different world now. Do you agree with that? Uh, I, I think so. The leverage back then was gargantuan. I'm pretty sure we don't have that. Hopefully they learn lessons. And, and look, I'm very happy that the regulators came out and are yapping loudly about this because there is that word, the intangible confidence. The loss of confidence will send things lower. So good move on their part. But we will have to deal with reality going forward. What else is out there? And again, I expect a lot of banks to make announcements in the next couple of weeks saying, hmm. hey, we're in good shape. Uh, no problems here, and that'll be a smart move. But I, I want to just touch one thing, because we're but talking we about those 0% interest rates and the easy money and the printing. That was not the real world. That was the decision of a select few people at a central bank to take rates down, screwing every saver and causing a lot of this trouble. It, it creates distortions. But when the real markets come around, and that's what we're seeing now, the real market interest rates higher where they should be, that's where you're seeing the trouble where losses are, are attained. And I can tell you, just on a small scale, bond funds over the last year and a half, there are some down between 25 and 50 percent uh, because of the leverage they had. And that's something that probably is going to need to be addressed going forward, especially if we start to see yields in the four and a half, five percent. I'm talking about the real market now, not Fed funds. Yeah, you want to yeah, you want to retreat. We, you're right. You want to retreat from that. Susan, real quickly, we're learning about the TikTok on all of this that you know the banks customers we're talking about silicon valley banks customers 
you know, they're funded by startups and investors that fund the startups. And they were getting antsy. The Wall Street Journal is reporting uh, that because a lot of these investors have taken a big hit since the Fed began raising interest rates, they just wanted to sort of get out of Dodge, take their money and run uh, to, to Gary's point, and it fed on itself. Uh, obviously, the devil's in the details. Your thoughts? Yeah, just quickly, I think the everything bubble has burst, especially with the second California bank in just a matter of weeks Being to go bubble. under. And so those uh, zero rates, and you're seeing this in real time, the fact that you're seeing these stress points, I think that's being played out in the markets right now. Well put. And guys, we should just explain. I want to thank you. Okay, I'm going to pause that there and go ahead and bring us back to the main screen. And if you could bring up a couple of these ones I have over here. Yeah, I, I would um, also like to kind so of give, a, give a, a commentary on what we just, what we just heard there. Well, from Neil Cavuto, that was him trying to keep a lid on the panic. I, I, thank you. Because, so there's there's two different things going on here. And again, I they think manipulate you through through, yes. the, uh, through the television. And I just want you guys to know, I have some more videos that, that talk about the severity of what happened. But this particular Neil Cavuto video is designed to, they don't want you to panic. Don't, They're not because there will be a run on the banks. Yeah. And they don't want that. They're, they're even, the media doesn't want it. The government doesn't want it. And most people actually don't want a run on the banks. We've been telling right. you to run on the bank the whole time. Get your money out those banks. Yeah. You cannot trust the bank. And prior to today, I've been saying that to you guys. If yeah. you are still holding your, your savings in a bank, number one, the, the dollar bill is not going to save you. Mm -hmm. You have to have your money in tangible assets that you yeah. can hold. Number two, though, if your cash money is in the bank yeah. and something like this happens, yeah. You have no recourse. I think somebody said in the chat, you don't even know how long they're going to, how long it'll be before the FDIC does back it up. Someone else left a comment so, said that this is not going to cover the losses. I they're will, only funded to 1%. That was from Diane. So on Monday, and go ahead and bring up the videos while we're, while we're talking. On Monday, depositors who have up to $250,000, they will, they can get their money out. Those who have uh, more than that, that's mm -hmm. going to be a while. Exactly. Okay? If because they ever get it. Because here's what, here's where we're at. They've got assets. They need somebody to come in. They're begging somebody, JP Morgan Chase, uh, Wells Fargo, somebody with big money yeah. to come and buy them out. If nobody buys them out, they have to sell uh, the assets. And I'm going to get to how many, I think... Um, they they need about 151 billion to cover. They have about 200 209 billion in assets. Now, if you're selling assets, they are not going to go for full market price. They could go for you know dollars, pennies on the dollar. Yeah. Right. And so those people, the, we were talking about this. If you watch the very beginning of our video, Guy broke this down. These are individual businesses. These are tech businesses that have their payroll. Which will still have that clip. Do you want me to go ahead and play that? Because yeah. I, I only played it sure. in part. Sure. So let's go ahead and play this whole clip. And I'll just add it to, to Leah So and these I are right tech people that have their businesses. They have their payroll. They need cash fluid uh, to be able to to pay people. And and this is going to have many repercussions down the line. for Off of tech banks at Silicon Valley Bank. So this bank collapse is crazy because the entire venture capital tech space could collapse 
next week. I have two friends who have millions of dollars in cash just sitting at Silicon Valley Bank. They don't know if they'll get it back. These cash reserves were a significant amount of the total capital they raised. This is because their investors told them to put it in Silicon Valley Bank. And it used to be a virtuous cycle for everybody, but the founders, the bank, and the investors were making money from this. Sam Altman, the billionaire founder investor of OpenAI knows what's up. He said to all investors, today is a good day to offer emergency cash to your startups that need it for payroll or whatever. No docs, no terms, just send money. This is from another leader in tech. I don't think many people understand the level of chaos happening in tech right now. This is just effing insane. Every group chat, Slack, and email chain I'm in is going crazy. Founders have no idea if they'll make payroll. Investors have no idea which companies are impacted or if LP funds are safe. Employees don't have the slightest clue what's going on. Here's what I want to say. This is going to get bad, but some people are going to make money in this environment and maybe that can be you. I wish all of my founder friends the best going through this. I hope everyone remains positive and I still think some people can make the best of this terrible situation. And so he, what he's talking about is uh, just like JFK, uh, his dad made tons of money off of the stock market crash. Yeah. It's called stealing, by yeah. the way. If somebody else's uh, fall is your rise, who cares, right? Mm -hmm. It's very sad. All right, so for much of the day, anyone doing analysis on the now liquidated Silicon Valley Bank was confined to using stale financial data as of December 31st. We certainly were, when we were analyzing, this is from um, the Zero Hedge, analyzing the impact of Silicon Valley Bank's contagion. Here's what they said. For those who slept through yesterday, here's what you missed and why the U.S. banking system is suffering its worst crisis since 2020. Mm -hmm. Silicon Valley Bank, a.k.a. SIVB, the 18th largest bank in the United States with $212 billion in assets, of which $120 billion are securities, of which most $57 billion are held in maturity, mortgage-backed securities, and another blah, blah, blah. Uh, funded by over $173 billion in deposits, of which... 151 billion are not insured. That's a lot. Breaking that down, Michelle and I were trying to run, you know, just some scenarios. So you've got some companies who have a couple million dollars. You're looking at thousands of companies with even more thousands of employees who may lose everything at worst case scenario. So has long been viewed as the bank at the heart of the U.S. startup industry. So these, when they're talking about founders, they're talking about people who start Twitters, who start um, Uber drives, who start, or, or Uber Eats, who start, you know, all these different startup tech companies, mm -hmm. right? They're going to go to this bank. They're going to look for investors. The investors are going to say, I'm going to pull my money out of this bank i'm going to give it to you to put it back in your bank account in this same and, bank and, so that this same bank doesn't lose my money and they can continue to make money off of my money and you while this money is in this bank they're too big to fail it's the titanic so these people will put their money into this bank because of who they uh who, who their customers are and go well if all of these other amazing tech companies mm -hmm. bank here then of course it is safe for me to do so as yeah, well so the big question of course is what happened in the past 24 hours to not only snuff the bank's proposed equity offering but to push the bank into insolvency 
um, Zero Hedge said earlier today. So how many deposits were pulled from uh, the, the bank in the past 24 hours? Everyone was going off the December 31st number. So they just got the answer a few moments after that tweet when the California Department of Financial Protection and Innovation um, the reported that shortly after the bank announced a loss of approximately $1.8 billion from a sale of investments. And so they lost, so they had to sell some bad investments and they made a loss of 1.8 billion. Don't even know how much a billion dollars is. Yeah. No, you don't. Frankly, you don't. It's a thousand no million. No one knows that number. It? it is not. It is yes, but it's it's not a number that our brains compute. Yeah. It's too big. Yeah. Sale of investments and was conducting a capital raise, which now failed. So, oh my gosh, we lost. I'm sorry, we lost about two billions of dollars. Will you guys give us some more money? And despite the bank being in sound financial condition prior to yesterday, investors and depositors reacted by initiating withdrawals of 42 billion in deposits. So a bunch of people got their money out of causing a run on the bank. As a result of this furious drain, as of the close of the business Thursday, the bank had a negative cash balance of approximately a billion dollars. Right. Uh, at this point, despite attempts from the bank with the assistance of regulators to transfer collateral from various sources, the bank did not meet its cash letter with the Federal Reserve. The prep, uh, precipitous deposit withdrawal has caused the bank to be incapable of paying its obligations as they come due, and the bank is now insolvent. So, as a reminder, Silicon Valley had 173 billion in deposits as of December 31st, which means that they that in just a few hours, a historic bank uh, run on the bank drained a quarter, a quarter of the bank's funding. But this is not little people pulling out their their, their nickels and dimes. This is big businesses pulling out hundreds of millions of dollars, right? Uh, I'm picturing it's a wonderful life with everybody going in and then demanding that they get yeah. their money back. And, but, and I do want to get to this real quick. Dana Dana says, what do we do? Please help. Tune in. I promise you we will give you some answers and peace and hope. Here's the thing. You are not going to be affected right now in the short term. This is a this is one so bank. You, this is a tech but, bank. This but, is not your bank. But yeah. It is going to affect you in the will. long run. And There's so you have time. The you There's have time and we're going to give you some answers. Let's get through the story. And I promise we'll give you some answers and hope. So, like we said, there's a long line of depositors who were well over the $250,000 FDIC insured limit. Um, only 3 to 7% will actually be insured. The following list, while incomplete, is uh, approximately sorted by the size of exposure. So, here's a few people that are, are going to be at risk here. So, Roku had 26% of its cash. That is Four hundred and eighty-seven million dollars. Did I say Roku? Yeah, yeah. I'm at, at Silicon Valley Bank. Four hundred and eighty-seven million dollars is there. at risk right now. So the USDC, the crypto stablecoin run by Circle Silicon Valley Bank, is one of six banking partners Circle uses for managing about twenty-five percent portion of the USDC reserves held in cash. Um, looks like Robo Roblox. I'm not sure which one that is, but they had five percent of its three billion of cash held with them. Um, there's a lending club warned about potentially losing funds on deposit of about 21 million and a bunch of these smaller, um, like startup, startup companies, they all have, uh, have some, they're all at risk here. And while such a course of action by venture capitalists would be understandable. Oh, sorry. Let me go up here a little bit. And now the $64 trillion question was the bank run sparked by the bank's attempted capital raise 
which followed a modest $2 billion in losses as the bank sold off its uh, whole, uh, the holdings there to boost its liquidity, or was it a result of external influence? What we mean by this is that, as reported yesterday, several prominent venture capitalists, such as Peter Thiel, advised their tech startups to withdraw money from Silicon Valley Bank on Thursday. Would the bank run have happened if it wasn't for this urging? Okay. And while such a course of action by venture capitalists would be understandable, if ethically, if ethically questionable, what it perhaps is more notable is that is what Bloomberg reported earlier, citing information. It wasn't just the Peter Thiels of this world. Prominent venture capitalists advised their tech startups to withdraw money from Silicon Valley Bank, while mega institutions such as J.P. Morgan and Chase sought to convince some of those customers to move their funds Thursday by touting the safety of their assets. So let's get this straight. The largest U.S. commercial bank was actively soliciting the clients of one of its biggest competitors and the 16th largest U.S. bank, knowing full well deposit flight would almost certainly lead to the collapse of a bank, which, courtesy of fractional reserve banking, had only modest modest cash to satisfy deposit demand, certainly not enough to meet $42 billion in deposit overflows. Of course, Jamie, who has suddenly emerged as a key figure in the Jeff Epstein scandal alongside of Jess Stanley, uh, Staley, knows this and would be delighted with an outcome that kills two birds with one stone. And, and I guess this guy here is we're talking about J.P. Morgan um, actually trying to get the money here from not just the money, the customers. They're like, hey, you leave Silicon Valley Bank and come to us because it's not looking so good over there. So there it causes a run on the bank and then it causes the bank to then. So they're not fail. happy right now with the Fed's rate hikes because that makes it harder for them to lend out money. Right. Right. So do you have some of my other videos up that I've asked you to get? Up? I do have some videos up, but I would like for you to maybe explain. Um, well, there, you, did I need to pull them up like new and fresh? They need to come from YouTube. Yeah. Okay. I'll get them. Um, I, I, earlier today, you were talking about how the news media uh, and, and specific people by name are have been influencing, whether it was with FTX and Sam Bankman-Fried propping that up, saying it's the greatest thing. Everybody needs to get in on it. And mm -hmm. then when they were trying to raise the capital, knowing that the, the fall was Im imminent mm -hmm. for Silicon Valley Bank, knowing full well the fall was in imminent, what was the name of the guy? Um, it wasn't Peter Thiel, was it? Peter Thiel was Was one. it Peter Thiel that came on and said, hey, we're trying to raise, we don't want the bank to fail. Um, no. we're, we're trying to raise capital. No, that wasn't. No. What was his name? We were talking about it earlier today. Oh, no. The one that was promoting no. Sam Bankman-Fried. Okay, so, um, and what was he Jim name? Kramer. Thank you. He didn't say we don't want the bank to fail. He was, a, a month ago, he was saying, um, this it, this uh, Silicon Valley Bank is a great That's what investment. it was. That's what it was. And yeah, so, if you so want to play that, I'll play that first. the manipulation yeah. of things, the question is... Here it is. Is he an insider being of course. manipulating so, and being told what to do? Jim Kramer here, you guys know him. Uh, as the the stock guy, you see him everywhere. He just a month ago was telling people that Silicon Valley Bank was the place to be. The ninth best performer year to date is SVB Financial. Don't you want this company's a merchant bank with a deposit base that Wall Street had been stately concerned about. SVB is still Silicon Valley Bank. Recently bought one of our favorite research firms, Buffett Nathanson, and it's become less dependent upon private equity and venture capitalist offerings. Wait a second. Those dried up last year, they could come back. Yes, some of them come back here with the stock directly affects an oversold position. Stock was the fourth worst performer in 2022. I think the fears were not justified, and it's a very compelling situation. Hey, by the way, long-term private equity and venture capital, they're not going away. Being the banker to these invest, immense pools of capital has always been a very good business. Stock's still cheap. 
Now, you have to remember that a stock that falls 66%, like SVB Financial did last year, it takes a lot more to recover. After losing two-thirds of your value, you need a 200% gain to get back to even. This is arithmetic. Some people call it geometry. So you could argue SVB's nearly 40% rally this year is barely a drop in the bucket. And that's how I want you to think it. I think it's also a good example of why these bounce-back moves might be far from over. These stocks could have more room to run especially if you think they were driven down to artificially low levels by tax law selling, artificial dumping, like we saw. So essentially, so he was saying that they lost 65% of their value and they're working their way up and they're just a steal right now. Yeah, but that was a manipulation mm-hmm. as he probably got a request. Hey, can you push us? Because we're actually not doing well and yeah. we need more people to invest. I absolutely think that. Yeah, so for those who may just be tuning in or getting wind of this, the events that have happened over the last 24 hours has led to the failure of Silicon Valley Bank, the backbone of the tech industry, especially here in the San Francisco Bay Area. It has been shut down by regulators. Now the FDIC takes over and says that insured depositors will have access to their deposits no later than Monday morning. Of course, that only covers $250,000 worth of deposits. Medi, that I'm speaking to, had a lot more in their accounts at SVB. Put simply, this is what happened. A perfect storm or trifecta, if you will, of events that led to the failure of Silicon Valley Bank. One, rising interest rates, which we have talked a lot about. Two, falling venture capital investment levels. We know that money has dried up in the current environment. Three, sustained startup cash burn. The CEO, Greg Becker of SVB, has talked about this in the past. He expected this cash burn level to get better. It has not. This has led them to this position. And in the last 24 hours, many founders, investors that I've talked to have been desperately trying to get their money out. Some were successful and some were not. In fact, I think we have video of the scene right now at one of the SVB offices in New York, you can see that a few founders had collected and they were trying to get their money out. They were turned away. Other founders that I've talked to tried to go to actual bank branches and get cashier's checks so that they could walk to another bank and deposit those. A lot of fallout is still being figured out right now in the Bay Area. A lot of the people I'm talking to are trying to figure out what is next. I talked to one founder, Scott, who says that he was just about to wire money to his new SVB account. He's thankful that he didn't, but now he doesn't know what's going to happen because it takes time to open another business account. And the startup environment, by the way, is getting all the more tenuous because of this failure. Yeah. Dee, thank you for bringing us up to speed. I know. Yeah. So a lot the doors of- were closed. I mean, the dude was trying to you know, open the yes. doors. Yeah. Locked. Can't get in. David, what's going to happen from here? I imagine it's going to be a weekend filled with news and fast moving events. I think you're right, Morgan. I think that's that's very likely. I mean, obviously, a lot of questions still right now. But, you know, certainly what I'm hearing is uh, the first question is, what about the uninsured depositors at Silicon Valley Bank? I know you guys have, have hit on that a bit. You've got a lot of businesses that rely on it that have deposits there. Uh, how do they manage their business and their checking accounts? Uh, again, those uninsured depositors are key, and that's obviously a concern more generally and one reason why we're seeing weakness in some other of these banks that have a large percentage of their deposits above the $250,000 uh, mark, meaning where they're insured to, uh, and maybe sort of specialized in some of their lending. But specific to the weekend, uh, you know, if the FDIC can find uh, another bank to take on those uninsured deposits, that would be a good thing. 
that would mean those people will see their money a lot sooner. If not, uh, the question then becomes how long will it be? I think there's still an expectation that those deposits will be money good, but it could be some time. There's going to be a lag time and perhaps a significant one. And so you're also going to start to see a market develop in people who are willing to buy those deposits at a discount right. for those who need, who need liquidity. Um, so, David, so, are, you know, are, are you hearing yeah, sorry, anything John. about, if not a bank, or at least in the nearer term, who might come in to, to rescue, to bail out some of these little companies, innovative little companies, which is what Silicon Valley was uh, built on, um, who are running out of cash fast? Yeah, no, I don't. I, I'm not hearing that. Uh, those names. What I'm hearing is more: Will the FDIC be successful in finding a bank, another large financial institution, to take on these uninsured depositors and therefore eliminate that concern that you're raising, John? Uh, specific. Otherwise, that's going to be an issue. How do you make sure that these businesses do have the liquidity they need? Um, and that's yet again something that the Fed or the FDIC and the government's going to have to deal with. Um, you know, there is going to be losses here, clearly, uh, on the portfolio of, of assets that needs to be sold. Um, but that will be borne most likely by the equity holders, as we know. And beyond that, then, there's also the question of bondholders at Silicon Valley Bank. Those claims have also been trading at a significant discount to par. Mm. But as for the specific answer to what you're raising, John, I have not heard specific names in terms of how are you going to deal with these businesses that need access to money, essentially, that is locked up, if you want to call it that, because they can't get to their deposits. Right. So uh, locked me, up. I want to kind of expound a little bit because this what? can get a little can confusing. Can I go over here are the bullet points to kind of just make it real simple? Yeah, but no, the only the only side point that I wanted to kind of, when you said people buying up the deposits, what would be the motive of another bank stepping in and buying a deposit at a discount? When you have money deposited into your bank account because of fractional reserve banking, you can then print money out of thin air to lend more money. Do you right. understand how that works? And so that's that would be a motive for someone to buy up deposits. It doesn't, none of this actually makes sense to the average human being. So sometimes I think we have to remind each other, remind you guys how this is working and how fraudulent it really is. Yeah. So somebody put a question into chat. GDP. Is this on your Twitter? Uh, yeah. Uh, so here's a summary in simple, simple language. A bank called SVB got a lot of people's money to keep safe in 2021. SVB wanted to make money off this money, so they bought some investments called mortgage-backed securities with it. These investments were supposed to make SVB more money in the future, but something unexpected happened. The government raised interest rates. This made SVB's investments worth less than they used to be, so the bank lost the money. SVB had to sell some of their other investments to make up for the money they lost. Some people got worried they, uh, when they heard about this and started telling other people to take their money out of the bank. Uh, this could be bad if too many people take their money out of the bank. So that's kind of like the 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 layman's terms of what happened uh with this bank now the um like i said the F fdic said uh the the checks would clear regular checks would clear from this bank um depositors will have access to their deposits no later than monday morning uh, but right now the the banks are closed for the weekend and um yeah they're looking at 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 kind of a um what i would call you know Oh, if you look at my Twitter, you can see some people in line at uh, one Silicon Valley branch. Scroll down one more. Right there. Scroll down. There you go. Oh, wow. Yeah, there's just some people. But here's the crazy thing. 
the CEO of Silicon Valley Bank sold 3.5 million in stock in uh, SVB two weeks before it collapsed. In an automated trade planned on January 26, the CFO ditched uh, a half a million that day. So if you own a company and you're selling millions of dollars in their, in stock, what does that say? So Greg Becker sold 12,451 shares at an average price of 287 shares. Uh, and um, on February 27th, the price plunged to $39 in pre-market Friday before the FDIC seized the bank's assets. The day of his uh, sale went through, Becker bought the same number of shares using stock options priced at $105 each. According to filings, the transactions were made through a trust that he controls. So... So you're going to see that guy's face. And I need to pull up this Daily Mail article that you have because I want you guys. This is one of those things like just out of a movie where these faces are going to become not just like Sam Bankman Freed. I mean, they're just so they're such silly faces. Um, I'm not trying to be judgmental here, but like I, this is this is going to go down really poorly for these guys here. Greg Becker um, on the left there. Uh, this is not. And, and Daniel Beck on the right. These guys are are not looking at a happy life. I don't think. I think they're gonna look for these guys to not to like uh, pray for them. I mean, because they may commit suicide at this point. I mean, what is this? I don't know. So people are asking the federal government to step in and to bail these guys out, and I say no, no, no more bailing these guys out. That's it. They played with people's lives. They played with people's money, and the government doesn't come in. That's Michelle does have some options, and we're not supposed to give financial advice. No, I got good advice. It's it's all right. I think. But I, I think go it's ahead good. and give some people some advice. Okay, so number one, let's let's say this. Rewind. Today never happened. Lee and I on our show for the past six or seven years have been telling you guys: do not have and hold your money outside of what you need to pay your bills for the for a couple of months. In the bank account. Some some of you guys are watching like, Michelle, I don't even have to buy groceries next week. I don't we know what you're talking about. We are suggesting that because like if somebody comes back and watches this, we're not giving financial advice. We're not allowed to. Okay. You can say what we do. Uh, here's here, We don't hold anything in the bank outside of what we need to pay for the next couple of months. Um, bar none. It, it always gets turned into something tangible. Leah's got a grain mill, right? That's attached to a bicycle. That's not cheap. Or um, buying baby chicks, or if, if we do have some extra, a little bit of gold and silver, you know. So so these are the things that we are personally doing, and we do have some cash on hand, not a lot. I I, I anticipate if something like this happens, I'm ready for you know gold and silver to to become the monetary exchange. We like junk silver. It's it's those old, you know, they say, oh, look at your silver or look at your pocket change and make sure there's nothing in there. So so what can you do? Where's the hope? What what it seems very terrifying and scary. I believe that because this has happened at Silicon Valley Bank, God himself is saying this that is happening is happening as a part of my judgment that is coming on the wicked. Now, that will equal fallout that is going to affect pretty much everyone 
Okay. However, God is giving us strategies to help protect us from the fallout of what God is doing as he tears down this giant. You have to realize something. They have built a tower of Babel in society around the world saying, we don't need God. We are God. When God, and, and unfortunately, like little tentacles, each of our lives are tied into that tower of Babel. So as best as we can, we need to one by one pulling all of these kind of attachments that we have to the power tower of Babel away. Your um, car insurance bill, your homeowner's insurance bill, your mortgage, your car payment, like not living on land, all of these things, going to a regular quote unquote J-O-B, like all of these things I could go on and on and on. They're all little tentacles that have us tied to the Tower of Babel that God is about to destroy. So tip number one is to be getting in the word, to be talking to God and asking him, write down, get a journal, start writing and ask the Holy Spirit to show you what are you supposed to be doing with the talents, right? That God has entrusted. That's not just money. Those are literally your time, your treasures, and your talents. What do you have? Where does maybe God wants you to make a, a transition in your job or, or move out? Maybe you can consolidate families and buy some property somewhere. There's yeah, a whole a host idea. of different things that, that we all should be doing to prepare for what is inevitably going to happen. And I will tell you this. I don't know if it's going to happen this year, next year, or 10 years down the road, mm -hmm. but it is going to happen. The United States monetary system is going to crash and burn like the, like everybody's views the second Peter chapter, uh, we were talking about on our show, second Peter chapter three, burn up with fire. The financial system is going to crash and burn. I don't know exactly what that looks like. I have a pretty good idea. And so we here at God's little acre and on resistance chicks, we do what we can and trust that because we're listening to God and we're taking heed to the things that, that he's showing us, that he will protect us. So hope number one, your hope is in God. Actual practical answers is, in my humble opinion, this is what we do. We do not keep cash money in the bank. We also do not have a safety deposit box. We used to. We got rid of it about six or seven years ago. Okay. We make sure that you're like, like Lynette Zhang says, you can have safes outside at friends' houses, you know, whatever, wherever you feel comfortable, a little tiny safe, whether it's for your, you know, at a, um, rental place, like at a rental place, dig it in the ground, you know, Mike Adams has a whole host of things to do for your uh, guns and ammo and silver and all of that. So my point is just be mindful of any, any place where you, if the system crashed, you would be stuck. Yeah. And then ask God to show you how to pull away from that so that you're not dependent on the system. And then anywhere where you literally can't get out, there's no way out then just trust God. Right. And that, that will keep you safe in all of this. If you know what's coming and you literally don't have a way out, just keep praying for a way out and then trust that, you know, this is not a scripture, but it actually is very true. You give God your best and you let God do the rest. It is yeah. really, really that simple. No, that's really good. Give and to, to sum it all up, this is happening because society is going down the wrong direction. We are headed to a cataclysmic crash and burn as a society. Mm -hmm. And if God lets it happen and doesn't intervene, then, then it's just kind of the end of everything. It's, uh, it's the apocalypse. However, God is showing us how to get out from it, and he is going to stop mankind from self-imploding and blowing up the earth 
like what's the uh, the CERN atom there, God's going to stop that. Yeah. So God has his great reset, but in order to get us to his great reset, a lot of the things that we're tied into with the world are going to fail and fall. But just yeah. trust that where we're headed is better than where we are. So I do have um, a video for you guys um, where Representative Lord S uh, Lloyd Smucker, I, didn't, I don't really know much about him, but he asked some really poignant questions to Janet Yellen about our budgets and deficits. And I dare say this is really an important line of questioning. Where are you? Here he is. Um, is his name really Schmucker? Yeah, Lloyd Schmucker. Schmucker. You're proposing over the next 10 years, 17 trillion in additional deficits. 12 months ago, you were proposing 14 trillion. We're dealing with numbers that are infathomable. That's what I was trying and to so say. They're satanic went, numbers. These are not so God's numbers. She went from a budget deficit of in 10 years of an extra seven of an extra 14 to an extra 17 additional into what we are at right now. And we're at 31. And I think when Trump, Donald Trump took office, we were like at 21. It's insustainable. And before I play this clip, I'm going to say this. So many people come to Leah and I and they're like, guys, we couldn't like go back to gold and silver because you can't carry that much. Do you know how much like actually a lot of gold fits in your hand? Like a tiny, 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 tiny amount of gold equals a lot of money. However, you know what you can't sustain? You can't sustain people wrapping their head around trillions and trillions and trillions and trillions and trillions and trillions, and trillions of dollars. Because it's made up. Because it is not real. Okay, that's kind of the number of atoms in your body. You know what I'm saying? Like these are not that this is not or I guess I should say molecules. This is not what uh, this is not a number that we should be thinking. Uh, about. You and I talked last year during this hearing. Uh, you said and again, I quote, it is desirable to reduce deficits. Uh, do you still feel that way, Madam Secretary? <coughs> yes, I do. Yeah. Uh, the chart I have here, and I don't know if you can see it, hopefully you can catch it, but uh, this is uh, year, uh, uh, the next 10 years and compares the 2023 proposal by the president, uh, budget proposal, and 2024 I have uh, directly from the budget uh, these sheets. And what it shows is that this proposal, 2024 compared to 2023, increases deficits further. Uh, year over year. And the orange on here is your new proposal compared to what you were proposing last year. You see some significant difference in the early years, but it never uh, is reduced over the proposals from last year. And on your totals on this sheet, um, you're proposing over the next 10 years today, 17 trillion in additional deficits and debt. Uh, as opposed to uh, 12 months ago, you were proposing 14 trillion total in deficits and debt. So my question uh, is uh, today, why are you proposing 3 trillion uh, higher deficits than you proposed last year? Well, <clears throat> excuse me, the budget contains a table, table S2, that shows the effect of the budget proposals on projected deficits. And that illustrates. Do, do you disagree with my I do, characterization? I do disagree because what this table shows is that the president's proposals result in additional deficit reduction relative to the 
2023 baseline of close to $3 trillion. Could you and point out uh, which year uh, sorry, there are? I can barely uh, see well, your could you, could you, chart, but I can I Could can you look at your you, sheet and tell me which year tell, there are uh, lower deficits than what you had proposed last year? Um, well, for example, starting in 2025, the projected deficits in the baseline were 6.7 percent, and in the president's uh, that was proposal, not, that was not your baseline last year. That is CBO's baseline, which is far higher than what you were projecting last year. So, essentially, you're saying our policies created higher deficits than than you had projected last year, and now we're going to take credit for reducing those higher deficits by three million. Am I right on that, or three trillion? Relative to where we were before this budget was issued and the deficits that we would have seen, this budget <clears throat> projects. Nobody under, nobody outside of the Beltway will look at your proposal compared to the proposals last year. We'll look at your proposal compared to what has actually happened. We'll look at a chart like this, which is taken directly from your numbers, and say that we're re reducing the deficit. And it's, it's a shame because we both agree that long term, uh, we're on a wrong fiscal trajectory. We must do something about it. And this budget does nothing. In fact, it adds to the uh, deficits and, and debts that, uh, that we've been experiencing. So again, no one else would believe that we're reducing the deficits with your budget. Thank you. You know, nobody would ever get away with this. No business, no person. You can't sustain adding Let's break it down to let's say a hundred thousand dollars. I mean, that's in comparison to one trillion. It's not. That's a drop in the bucket, right? You don't get to add one hundred thousand dollars of debt to your debt every single year for the rest of your life. You do not. And you know what? Go ahead and play Joe Biden right there. Uh, we played him on our. Guess what? You may show, remember. This is I was running. You smile for office at the time, but you all may remember it that. The, I had a big fight with uh, the former president uh, and maybe future president. Bless me, father. Anyway, now, guess what? You may. So was he prophesying something there? Yeah, that was great. All right. I love it. Brian says, show me the physical debt. You can't. It's Babylonian money. It's magic. Fiat currency printing money out of fresh air backed up by zilch zero nada. Well so said, Brian. this, I brought this one up. Just this is called a palate cleanser for your brain. Okay. We are going to just for podcasters. You are watching a golden retriever play in a mud puddle. Have a mud bath. It's a day at the spa. And this to me is where we all need to be right now. Just hanging with our dog outside in a mud puddle. Really? Because this is how I, how I feel about where our debt and deficit is. Just, it just looks fun. It, that Really? You'd like to be rolling around in the mud? I would. He looks like he's having a good time. I would. I would actually rather be that rolling was a good around in the mud right, right now. <laughs> Speaking of rolling around in the mud. Um, I have this clip here. U.S. Marine Corps sniper Sergeant Tyler Vargas Andrews told Congress this week that he was denied permission to shoot the suicide bomber in Afghanistan that killed 13 service members. Wow. We passed that there was a potential threat and an ID attack imminent. This was as serious as it could get. I requested engagement authority while my team leader was ready on the M110 semi-automatic sniper system. The response, leadership did not have the engagement authority for us. Do not engage. 
I requested for the battalion commander, Lieutenant Colonel Brad Whited, to come to the tower to see what we did. While we waited for him, psychological operations individuals came to our tower immediately and confirmed the suspect met the suicide bomber description. He eventually arrived and we showed him our evidence, the photos we had of the two men. We reassured him of the ease of fire on the suicide bomber. Pointedly, we asked him for engagement authority and permission. We asked him if we could shoot. Our battalion commander said, and I quote, I don't know, end quote. Myself and my team leader asked very harshly, well, who does? Because this is your responsibility, sir. He again replied, he did not know, but would find out. We received no update and never got our answer. Eventually, the individual disappeared. To this day, we believe he was a suicide bomber. We made everyone on the ground aware. Operations had briefly halted, but then started again. Plain and simple, we were ignored. Our expertise was disregarded. No one was held accountable for our safety. About 1730, Staff Sergeant Darren Hoover, friend and mentor, came to get me from the tower to go help find an Afghan interpreter in the crowd. We found the interpreter and his brother, born with American passports. They told us, five, told us of five family members still in the canal. I stayed there waiting for the family members standing against a two-foot canal wall. Ten minutes passed. <clears throat> then a flash <clears throat> and a massive wave of pressure. I'm thrown 12 feet onto the ground, but instantly knew what had happened. I opened my eyes to Marines dead or unconscious lying around me. A crowd of hundreds immediately vanished in front of me, and my body was catastrophically wounded with 100 to 150 ball bearings now in it. <clears throat> Almost immediately, we started taking fire from the neighborhood, and I saw how injured I was with my right arm completely shredded and unusable. I saw my lower abdomen soaked in blood. I crawled backwards seven feet, roughly seven feet because I thought I was still in harm's way. My body was overwhelmed from the trauma of the blast. My abdomen had been ripped open. Every inch of my exposed body, except for my face, took ball bearings and shrapnel. <clears throat> wow. You need to see the pictures, and I don't know if they're under here. There were several injuries um as a result of this blast besides just the killing of 13 service members i don't know if they're there um but sergeant tyler vargas was he was given the he was given the opportunity to take out a terrorist he this terrorist met the um description and he was denied okay let me see i'm gonna go ahead and retweet this out if you would bring this up please um, he lost his right arm and his left leg in the explosion. He, he was denied the opportunity to save himself Wow! and to save others. And now he's missing his right arm and his left leg. This, the, the, what happened with, um, the, the withdrawal of Afghanistan is absolutely heartbreaking. It is devastating. We haven't really talked about it, is, it since. Yeah, we 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 do. I mean, not a yeah. lot. Like we, uh, here and there, not as much as as it should be. And certainly, the mainstream media is dead silent. I mean, even in alternate media, hasn't showcased this a lot. Yeah, this is absolutely tragic. Um, what happened here? I'm going to try to bring up this article from the Washington Examiner. A Marine who was seriously wounded in the explosion at Cabal Airport during the final week of the U.S. war in Afghanistan recounted his horrific experience during a hearing on Capitol Hill. He lost his arm and his leg in 2021 in a suicide attack at Cabal's uh, Hamid Karzi International Airport. Uh, told the House Foreign Intelligence Committee that he had spotted a person matching the description of an expected suicide bomber. He said he was not given the green light to shoot that, and that man disappeared. Um, and then you hear you hear his his testimony. Vargas Andrews said that his team leader had him in his sights, ready to take the shot, but that the battalion commander said he didn't know if they were permitted to take the possible bomber out. 
Eventually, the, the individual disappeared. To this day, we believe he was a suicide bomber. Later that day, Vargas Andrews was with the Marine Corps Staff Sergeant uh, Darren T. Hoover, whom he described as a friend and a mentor. He went to find an Afghan interpreter in the crowd, and they were waiting for every member of his family to get there when the bomb went off. ISIS-K operative Abdu Rahman al-Laghi, who had been freed from prison at the abandoned Bagram airfield in August 2021, when the Taliban took over Afghanistan, detonated a bomb that killed 13 U.S. service members. Um, and then there's a list here of them. And, it, you know, we went over them. They're, na they're, they're all about 20, 20, 20 to 25 years old. So um, wow. Yeah, it's just absolutely disposable. These are these are real. These are, um, and we'll just read them. Sergeant Johnny Rosera Pachardo, twenty-five. Sergeant Nicole G, twenty-three. Corporal Hunter Lopez, twenty-two. Corporal Dagan Page, twenty-three. Corporal Humberto Sanchez, twenty-two. Lance Corporal David Espinoza, twenty. Lance Corporal Jared Schmidt, twenty. Lance Corporal Riley McCollum, twenty. Lance Corporal Dylan Marola, twenty. Lance Corporal Kareem Nico uh, Nico uh, 20 were killed in the blast. Navid Hospitalman Maxon Sovic, 22, was among those killed, as was 23-year-old Army Staff Sergeant Ryan Noss. A flash and a massive wave of pressure. I'm thrown 12 feet onto the ground when instantly I knew what would happen. I opened my eyes to Marines dead or unconscious lying around me. And then he said, he looked, his right arm was completely shredded and un unusable, while his lower abdomen was soaked in blood. He tried to get up. He couldn't. He lay there for a few minutes. Um, the Vargas... withdrawal was a catastrophe, in my opinion. It was an inexcusable lack of accountability and negligence. Vargas Andrews was one of six people who testified in front of the committee on Wednesday in what was the first hearing on the Afghan withdrawal since the Republicans took control of the House this year. The other witnesses are Aiden uh, Gunderson, a former Army specialist who left active duty in July, and three military veterans who were involved with the ad hoc effort to help locate and guide Afghan allies looking to flee the Taliban regime. Camille Mackler, the executive director of the Immigrant Advocates Response Collaborative, which also assisted in resettling Afghans in the United States, testified as well. So our hearts and our prayers go out to the families who needlessly lost, mm -hmm. needlessly lost their loved ones in this tragic withdrawal. And this is where the Democrats lead. They always lead to death. I'm just well, telling and then you. To, to tie it back to the start of the show, for those of you that don't know, and, and I think most of you guys do, not just the incompetency, but I mean, the um, the collapse of the Silicon Valley Bank. All wars are bankers' wars. Yeah. We were. Why were we in Afghanistan? What was the bottom line? What was the purpose? It's not just, you know, takeover and power. It really does boil down to money. It boils down to these people are playing God with the lives of our American mm -hmm. troops. And you don't get to have these kinds of wars. You don't get to have these presence, this presence in Afghanistan. Yes, they should have pulled out, but they pulled out totally incorrectly, right? And you, so, so none of this would have ever happened if it wasn't made possible by the fiat dollar and these big giant banks and corporations, mm -hmm. that is why these men are needlessly losing their lives and limbs. Yeah. And I also think that it could have something to do with the fact that Joe Biden says he doesn't have a brain. Leah. 
If I only had a brain. Ding, 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 ding. Listen to this, guys. And I had uh, these terrible headaches. Was diagnosed with having a. a uh, anyway, they had to take the top of my head off a couple times. <laughs> see if I had a brain. And mm. I had uh, these terrible headaches. Take the top of my head off a couple times. <laughs> see if I had a brain. Okay. And what did they find, Joe? What did they find? Was there a brain in there? I don't think You didn't so. reveal that part. Because speaking of not having a brain, um, my favorite congressman, Thomas, Congressman Thomas Massey. We're not going to play that. We're not going to play that. Where'd he go? We're going to play. Oh, my goodness. Here we go. We're here. Where are we? Far back here. <laughs> here you are. Right here there. we are. Um, Thomas Massey. This week, um, the Twitter files reporters were actually grilled on both sides so um the republicans were bringing them forth to, to tell to ask them what they found out through these twitter files with the collusion between the government and the big tech and um the democrats were you know using them as punching bags call, not calling them not real journalists and um, we played a clip on our um Brideon first segment in our Brideon show but i'll play a couple more clips from this and here thomas massey is discussing the fact that um the cdc um, keeps track of every congressman's tweets. I also found as a result of the FOIA, CDC tracks every tweet that a congressman puts out. Not just Republican, but Democrat. They keep a spreadsheet, they make it every week. Uh, this showed up in the FOIA for me, because I'm in their spreadsheet that they track. Why is this interesting? Okay, so they're tracking congressman's tweets at CDC. They're enrolled in the partner support uh, portal at, uh, at Twitter. And then I found, this is why, um, I found Alex Berenson's report very interesting because uh, what he found out is that Scott Gottlieb worked hard and, and Twitter complied, it looks like, to censor a tweet from a doctor about natural immunity. Guess what? On the same day that that doctor's tweet was censored, so were my tweets on natural immunity. Why is this important? What is, what is consequential about the date? This is three days after the military vaccine mandate came out and a week before the federal vaccine mandates came out. This truth was toxic to, to a narrative that Pfizer was spreading, that Joe Biden wanted out there so that he could force the vaccine on everybody, whether you had natural immunity or not. Now, I actually, you guys might not agree with me on this. I don't think the press gets special privileges on the First Amendment. I, think, I don't think Congress does. I think every American, by virtue of being an American, is, has the right to free speech enshrined in the Constitution. So I'm not so much worried that they, they uh, censored a, a congressman, but they disabled all of the comments from my constituents. Those are the voices they squelched. And my beef is not with Twitter, but my beef is with the CDC and these federal agencies. And I encourage you all, if you can, to find more about this. And uh, do you have any, either of you have any comments? That is absolutely insane. All right, here we have Matt Gates. So um, the FTC actually uh, sent a letter to Twitter asking about the journalists that they had used. What is the FTC doing uh, getting involved in all of this. Oh, shoot. I have to play it while he's small. Hang on. I have to make you small, Gates. He's got that big hair. It's hard to keep him small. <laughs> Which I'm amazed hasn't been asked of the two of you. This FTC consent decree, where it is government action subject to rigorous scrutiny under First Amendment standards, government action demanding that your names be listed. How did it feel when you found out that you were being expressly targeted by a government document based on your reporting? It was chilling. I mean, it's disturbing. I, I never thought that would happen in the United States of America. 
perfectly honest. I've been in a bunch, I've lived in a bunch of authoritarian countries. I've visited a lot of authoritarian countries. Never thought this kind of thing would be going on here. And the nexus to authoritarianism is the desire to control the nature of truth itself. Our understandings change about things. We learn new things. We challenge prior assumptions. But if a bunch of people in Washington, D.C. get to decide what the truth is mm. and then enforce it on the country and then punish and target those who report on their conduct, we are drifting more toward that. How did you feel, Mr. Tybee, when you saw your name? I was uh, upset, obviously. Um, I, I lived in uh, Russia during the 90s and early 2000s. I was there when Putin took power. I was friends with a group of uh, very brave, uh, muckraking reporters in Russia, many of whom didn't make it. A few of them um, were murdered after Putin came to power. So I've always been conscious of how the risks that other reporters take in other countries are incredibly severe. And that's one of the reasons why I'm motivated to protect the First Amendment, because our, our country has the best protections for reporters in the world. Um, but this kind of thing, where the government is looking for information about reporters, it's usually a canary in the coal mine that something worse is coming in terms of uh, an effort to exercise control over the press. And so on that level, it's, it's absolutely disturbing. Also, the Aspen Institute report that we, we uh, published today, uh, talked about today in the Twitter files thread, um, ex one of their recommendations was that the FTC be empowered uh, to get uh, to have unlimited power to search uh, all data of uh, private companies so that they could more freely and more accurately search uh, the speech of ordinary citizens. So, so as we're trying to put downward pressure on the government's expanding authority to be able to engage in what we see mostly from dictatorships, what you're reporting and what you're observing is that actually they view this as a growth industry, the information business, right? This, this yes. censorship industrial complex is a growth industry to the government. I think the key thing also, yes, and the thing to understand is that NSF... New, how, what is NewsGuard, and how are they part of the censorship industrial complex? Yeah, and we, by the way, we talked about Richard Sangle. He's on the board of NewsGuard. NewsGuard and the Different Disinformation Index are both U.S. government-funded entities who are working to drive advertiser revenue away from disfavored publications and towards the ones that they favor. This is... Uh, now, you totally know, what I'm used to in this town is government officials pick their favorite outlets and they give them the best scoops and they give them the best stories. And there's a fusion of media and government that has long made me uncomfortable. But, but what you're describing now is literally the directing of revenue to certain media companies over other media companies designed and implemented with U.S. government funding and support. That's right. I, that, that is an astonishing way. If we do not take a look at NewsGuard, we, we have failed. And you talk about the brave reporting that occurs and what it subjects you to. I would suggest there is also political bravery that I have observed. While we've only heard from Democrats on this panel attacking you, discrediting you, a lot like they've tried to attack and discredit FBI whistleblowers who are truth tellers, there are brave Democrats who still believe in free speech. And I would advise my colleagues to look at the comments of Ro Khanna, who has been deeply, deeply concerned about this weaponization of government. And he believes these Twitter files are indeed worthy of our focus and our energy. And that is exactly what we are going to do. I, I have to get yeah, that. Yeah, so well. that was that so really well good. Um, you also have, though, right? Oop, you're not going to play Rob Schneider's video. It's kind of it's good, though, not but not on Facebook. Um, Representative Dan Goldman was trying to put Matt Taibbi and the other reporters into a box saying, are you trying to say that the FBI had no basis to inform social media companies about the efforts to potentially interfere in our elections after 2016? And uh, Matt Taibbi basically says uh, they had no more information than Twitter did on who had the Twitter accounts. Do you like think it's a legitimate from? objective of the FBI to stop foreign interference in our elections? I think it's a legitimate objective to stop actual foreign interference. Okay. 
I mean, I don't know what the difference is, but that's yeah. fine. Well, I'll, so I'll, I'll, the, since Russia used social media disinformation, according to Special Counsel Mueller, I understand you may disagree with the uh, allegations to interfere in our 2016 elections. Are you trying to say that the FBI had no basis to inform social media companies about efforts to potentially interfere in our in our elections after 2016. I can tell you that I, that I read internal Twitter emails where Twitter expressly talked about the fact that the FBI couldn't possibly know more than they did about whether or not there was Russian interference, and that in fact even they couldn't determine which accounts were actually IRA and which ones weren't. Okay, I, I understand you like to filibuster. That was not an answer to my question. No, it was what a direct was answer was, to his question. It was a direct answer, and the FBI gave Twitter like a list. These guys are... Um, these guys are, are... That guy just didn't understand the answer because he didn't even understand the question that he was asking. Uh, you're going to need to make a shared screen. I gotta find. Um, but no, I mean, video. seriously, the fact that that guy doesn't understand that Matt yeah. Taibbi was directly answering his question by saying the FBI wasn't giving Twitter any right. information. Right. Twitter, the FBI could not have had more information than Twitter had. So, what business does the FBI have c communicating with Twitter on this at all? Yeah, no. And it was, if you recall, the FBI was giving accounts like. You know, I wonder if even Resistance Chicks was on the list. They were real people and was calling them. Here's the, here's the one I went with, Porter Bush. Uh, calling them Russian agents. And Twitter's like, you have no more information whether these guys are Russian agents than we do. We would know where right. the internet connection's coming from. So why are you telling us this? All right. So this is uh, Corey uh, Bush here, Democrat, kind of um, calling um, one of the... Uh, energy this is an energy uh Expert. hearing and calling his views white supremacist maybe maybe we'll refresh it see what happens everything's white supremacist colleagues have unironically invited for-profit think tank and oil titans whose expertise is in maximizing profits especially at the expense of our black, our brown, and our indigenous neighbors' health, safety, and well-being. One of these so-called energy experts is a philosopher who has previously espoused white supremacist views. For instance, in his 2000 college newspaper, he wrote, quote, the African and American Studies Department has 23 classes. In many of these classes, African culture is presented not as inferior to Western culture, but as on equal footing with it. In other departments, the same is done with Latin American, Indian, and American Indian culture, end quote. When confronted about these views over two decades later, rather than disavow them, he doubled down on this narrative saying, quote, it has nothing to do with skin color. I was arguing that those cultures overall are inferior to Western culture. We are not inferior to any culture, speaking as a descendant of one of those cultures. This is the witness the Republicans invited to discuss issues of energy security. He came here to promote fossil fuels, which we know are disproportionately harming and killing black and brown people. And I recognize the, uh, Alex Epstein to please begin his opening statement. And because you were um, on 
directly mentioned. Uh, as a chairman's discretion, I want to give you an additional minute if you'd like to address the allegations levied on you Thank against you. the uh, ranking member. Yeah, it would be great if they put up the, the cards again. Um, yeah, so thanks for giving me a minute to address a truly despicable and false attack on me, claiming that anything I've ever said is white supremacist and then trying to imply that that somehow applies uh, today. So I don't know if you want to put those cards back up, but what I argued and what I've argued for my entire adult life is that Western culture is superior in the sense that it promotes individualism and freedom. And I have fought my entire life for freedom around the world, including in Africa, including in Asia, including in India. And I want everyone around the world to have the same opportunities that I do in the United States. There are different places around the world that are in many ways inferior. They have female genital mutilation. They have slavery. These are not as good as not mutilating females' genitals and not enslaving people. And so I make no apology. And the idea that this is associated with skin color is despicable and racist. Skin color has nothing to do with ideas. Where you came from geographically is irrelevant. What's relevant is what's true. So you can ask more about that. But that was... Uh, an insane diversion from the truth. And Mr. Epstein, just a little off topic, but uh, Western culture that you mentioned could exist in countries, let's say in Japan. And, well, yeah, uh, and, it, and it has proliferated to the great benefit uh, of all. And it's really, it's really about, it's not really about the location, it's about individualism and freedom and reason. So it's certain values that are universal human values. The idea that freedom and reason and individualism only apply to people of certain skin colors, that is, the actual original racist idea versus, no, 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 whatever your skin color is, these ideas are true and good for human flourishing. So that comes from Christian principles, okay? And Cori Bush, I dare say that are you living according to your, your African culture or mm. are you living according to Western culture? Exactly. You are enjoying Western culture right. as superior to your other culture or you would be living your black culture here. You're not. You're living Western culture. You're well, you're, you just you, called it black culture. That's not what you meant. You African mean in, culture. in Africa where they well, she literally is calling have. It, she's, she's calling, calling it black race. culture. She's making it about race. It's not about race. She, who knows even what her descendant, you know, is. When we look at these societies, a lot of times in Africa, you do see the inf and it's not just Africa; it's slavery across the is world. in Africa even today. Thank okay, you. all right, you've got voodooism. And so forget slavery. Can we just talk about the fact that they take in certain parts of Africa where they will take young little boys as young as like six or seven and they will train them with machine guns to just go shoot up people. That to me is inferior to not doing that. And, and, and the left is all against gun violence. Yeah. So when we're talking about Christianity and freedom, it has evolved. Uh, it wasn't always perfect. You had Christians even killing other Christians, right? Uh, but the idea that come, that every person is endowed by their creator with certain inalienable rights that is unique to western and culture. to say that cultures that that have had inferior ways of living in the past were all uh based on brown and and white skin uh or excuse me brown and dark skin i come from scandinavia I would say, Miss Cori Bush, that my culture, from where I descend from, used to be inferior to Western culture. 
Do you know what the Vikings did? Have you ever read about the Vikings and the way that they lived? Very much inferior. It's not based on skin. It's just societal. Well, it's the same thing with uh, Ireland, right? Where uh, St. Patrick went to Ireland and spread the gospel. And you had uh, the people Druids. you had people coming to know Jesus and not and and when you come to know Jesus, he enlightens your mind. He makes he makes you intelligent and you recognize that no, we can't <sighs> lie, pillage, rape, and steal. Exactly. Okay? We don't do so those things. Thank God that Christianity went to Scandinavia. My great grandfather was a Lutheran minister who was uh, part Norwegian and part Swedish. And he came to America as a Lutheran minister. Come on. Thank God that Christianity spread to his ancestors and changed his heart and made him love Jesus. Amen. And made him, you know, love people. Uh, last story, last two little stories here. I've got a clip here from The View, and I'm sure that Facebook will tell me that I'm taking it out of context. But you know what? Um, I feel like when it comes to the view, it's all weird context. It's all, all the way to the left. Jane Fonda, um, when asked for a solution for pro-life laws around the country, he, uh, she recommends murdering pro-life politicians and the other ones, uh, Joe Behar has to come in and say, oh, she's just kidding. And then, uh, Jane Fonda rolls her eyes. We have experienced many decades now of having agency over our body, of being able to determine when and how many children to have. We know what that feels like. We know what that's done for our lives. We're not going back. I don't care what the laws are. We're not going back. Yeah. Well, the women will rise up. That's the activist. That's Jane speaking, yeah. and, and 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 she probably will get a Nobel Prize. But it's very, the truth. Very, very soon. It, it is the truth. But we're I, not going to do it. Besides, besides marching and, and protesting, what else do you suggest? Well, well it doesn't happen murder. overnight. It's not a miraculous. <laughs> what did you say? Murder. <laughs> She's kidding. Wait a second. She's just now, kidding. Don't say that. That's oh, not... you don't know. They'll pick up on that and yeah, just run that's with the it. Worst. She's Joking. just kidding. It's well. Let me talk to you about. <laughs> Let's move on and talk about Jane's activism, which is yeah. legendary. You know why you can say murder there, Jane? Because the very topic of what you're talking about already is murder. It's so it's no murder. big difference. It's already murder. Abortion is murder. Exactly. All right. Last story of the day. This you one said is, that was the last story. No, I said I got two oh, stories. Okay, okay, okay. Last story of the day. This is Colin Kaepernick has a new um graphic novel comic book out about his life speaking of racism so he is raised by white parents and they adopted him when he was young and when he was a baby and he has in his graphic novel novel basically calling his parents racist who's spreading a message of empowerment in his new graphic novel change the game written with author and university of chicago professor eve l ewing I love how you depict yourself in this book, not as some big shot hero, but as a shy, insecure high schooler like we all were. I mean, I'm speaking for you, but... <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, absolutely, absolutely. Growing up, I was a... I think still am a pretty introverted person. I hope it's true to form, mm -hmm. and that's just kind of how I navigate the world. It's his true high school coming-of-age story, his journey embracing his blackness, despite resistance from many, including his white adoptive parents. I know my parents love me, but there were still very problematic things that I went through. I think it was important to show that, no, this can happen in your own home, and how we move forward collectively 
while addressing the racism that is being perpetuated. He took cues from his icon, basketball star Allen Iverson, who he said wore his blackness like a suit of armor. And teenage Kaepernick wanted cornrows to match. He's getting what roles, his mom asked? Oh, your hair's not professional. Oh, you look like a little thug. Your mom become. said that to you. Yeah. And those become spaces where it's like, okay, how do I navigate this situation now? But it also has informed why I have my hair long today. The grown-up version of Eve wanted to go back in time and give young Colin a lot of hugs. And I was really moved and saddened by the level of kind of self-awareness that he had to develop at a very young age without a lot of guidance. The former NFL quarterback who once led the 49ers to the Super Bowl touchdown Colin Kaepernick was known in high school for his baseball. The pitcher even had major league interest but he bucked public pressure and followed his heart to the gridiron. There were a lot more black people in football that I was like I found some community here. Do you still want to play football professionally? <laughs> Absolutely. I woke up this morning before our events, trained five, six days a week. I'm still up at 4.30. I go get my training in. That passion is still there, and the ability is still there. I do not feel sorry for you, Mr. Kaepernick. Uh, my heart, I do not want to go back and give you a hug. There are a lot of children that I do want to go back and give a hug to. Now, granted, I don't know his entire story, but what is being depicted right here does not Corn exactly Rose. present itself. Okay, when I was, and not to interrupt you, sorry, when I was like seven or eight years old, I was like in first or second grade, and there were some girls in the grades above me, and it was like in the 80s when... Um, uh, the girls were getting these short haircuts with spiky hair. Mm -hmm. And my mom allowed me to do all the kind of haircuts I wanted to my hair, which was sad because I had pretty hair and the lady at the beauty, the kids beauty parlor cut all my hair off. It was really sad. I, I just said, do whatever. And it was a stupid haircut. But anyways, I wanted the spiky hair and my mom said no. And I believe she said, you know, you, know, you look like a boy that's a boy haircut. And I'm glad I didn't get the spiky short I wanted to get haircut. a tongue ring and my mom drew ring. the line. She's a like, no, ring. you're not getting a tongue ring. You'll look like a thug. Well, it probably is dangerous. And it was dangerous, but still, like our mom let us do pretty much anything that we wanted, but but there were lines that she drew because that's what you're supposed to do as a parent. You are allowed to tell their child. And I will tell you where I believe the racism lies in this. The fact that his mom telling him that he looked like a thug and then you receive that as racist because mm -hmm. you can look like a thug regardless of the color of your skin Absolutely. because thugs do, like, listen, you wear your big old baggy pants halfway down behind, below your hiney. White guys do that and black guys do that. If you wear your pants like that, you look like a thug. Yeah. Okay? If a white guy wears cornrows in his hair, he looks like a thug. Yeah. Right? Like, moms are allowed to say these things. This is They're absolutely ridiculous. They're supposed to say these things, right? Uh, and professional. All right, so let's look at some of these pictures here. If you scroll down. Um, We're not screen sharing yet. Okay. At, at his at, at some of these and his loving his family like they must be so like, tell excited. me you know what if, if they abused him in some way yeah yeah we could stand up for Someone you left a comment, right? i'm sorry but he would have needed more hugs if he had actually grown up in the system exactly so there are some pictures scroll down with him they put him in football um you know it was he's hugging his mom he looks like a happy kid and then he got this woke 
ideology stuff. There's a good picture with him and his mom. Okay. Um, I think, you know, when you're looking at this picture, I see a different guy in his face there. And this woke ideology that he said that he wanted to embrace his blackness. Now, his, I believe it was his black dad abandoned him. And his mom gave him up for adoption. I Colin Kaepernick is half black and half white. Okay. And, um, you what know. What if he had said, I want to embrace my whiteness? If you could say, I want to embrace my African culture, but what you're saying is, I want to embrace things that other black men in the country are doing right now. And if you're looking at NBA stars, he was looking at NBA stars, basketball stars who had a cor who had cornrows. Well, I I know that um, the guy from Out Outkick, um, what's his name? He did a like um, a video on the number of NBA stars that have like a ton of baby mamas and they don't marry their wives and they don't stay with their kids. Is that what you want to represent? Not just the black ones, but the white ones. It doesn't matter. Like this is not, this is not a color thing. It's not a color thing. They're the ones that are making it all about color. Your parents are there to help you guide you through life so that you don't, so that you grow up to be a respectable person. Can you imagine if every person out there bared everything that their parent ever did or said or whatever, you know, yeah. that let's finish harsh. with what Jason Whitlock has to say. Finally, a voice of reason. He, they're calling him the new Meghan Markle. Yeah, that's what someone just said in the chat, actually. This story is sickening. I've never liked Colin Kaepernick. Uh, let, me, let me be accurate. When he was just a football player, I did like Colin I actually love him. He was my favorite player. But once he started this kneeling stuff and couldn't defend it, and once he exposed himself as mute Muhammad Ali, controlled by that woman of his, I've never liked Colin Kaepernick. And I feel so justified in not liking him right now. Any of you that had good parents who, and trust me, your parents made mistakes, but getting on TV, and chit-chatting with some woman you don't know about the mistakes that you think they made and they're racist and this was problematic and you making a cartoon book about it? You're that thirsty? You're that unappreciative? You're sick, man. Absolutely sick and all the people gassing you up, they're sick. Yeah. All right. Is that it, Leah? Is that yeah. it for our news here? Yeah. Okay. So um, it's up to you whether you want to not do what we were going to already do tonight or do your mail call. Okay. If you're watching this back or listening to this back, we actually did do Leah's mail call and it was super fun. And we're going to upload that as a separate video, but we've cut it out of this one to keep this our news special. But you do not want to miss the birthday mail call with the birthday girl. All right. We can go now. All right. We love you guys. God loves you. God bless. Remember, it's not just a conspiracy theory. If it's actually the truth, I didn't get to advertise anything today, but the most important thing that I have to tell you though, the MyPillow all season slippers, they're getting rid of them. And I got an email yesterday from the lady that's the head of marketing over there. And she said, listen, guys, and she's sending this to everybody that has a MyPillow promo code, all of us that, that sell MyPillow stuff and, and promote it. She said, you won't make any money on these slippers because we're selling them at cost. 
but please tell everybody about this. So we won't make any commission unless you buy anything else, but that doesn't, that's not the point. We've been telling you guys about these slippers. They are $25. The all seasons one, they're going to always have the moccasin ones that are really furry and they get like even hot in the summer. But if you, if you want the all season ones, $25, they're literally selling them at cost. Go to mypillow.com and just use our promo code RC and they're limiting to the 10 custom limiting them to 10 per customer because i think everybody's going to go in and try and buy them for christmas which you should right get them now 25 bucks is as cheap as they that's it that's that that's how much it costs them to make them and to put them into production so mypillow.com use promo code rc i had been telling everybody to put that the forward slash rc on there don't do that just go to mypillow.com because for some reason it's not taking you to the all season slippers page um, but please, 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 if you ever wanted the My Slippers, they are legit the deal. You know what I'm saying? So I think that's the end of our show. We will see you on Sunday for our World News program. And happy birthday, Eve. We almost stayed till midnight, actually, here tonight for Leah's actual birthday. Um, but we'll see you on Sunday for our World News program. And again, don't forget... Kingdom Roundtables. We aren't always going to be there, but uh, Kingdom Roundtable on Rumble. That's Corey Gray, Jason Heidinger, and Serge DeRosa going to continue this conversation that we just had here tonight about all things kingdom. And then again, of course, next Wednesday, Revelation Roundtable, or excuse me, Revelation Red Pill Wednesdays with our friends from Sparrow Pictures. Matt and Joy Thayer, more biblical imagery. We're going to really, really dig into it. Last time we kind of did overview, got to know them a little bit, and now we're going to really dig into it. So very much looking forward to that. We'll see you every Wednesday. We love you guys. God bless. So